You're listening to Twitch Asylum Video Game Radio. Welcome to Twitch Asylum, episode 17. We're back. 17, and we're clean. <laughs> Almost legal. <laughs> All right, so uh, we've been off for a little while. I think it's been around... Um, How what? long has it been, Chris? Uh, Quite a while, I a, think. a long time. A long time? I don't even recognize you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Woody doesn't have any hair. What happened? <laughs> I never had any hair. Oh, okay. You never had any hair. But yeah, it's been like eight months, and uh, yeah. Eight months? That's a long time. It's a long time without what? a podcast. What was going on? Why didn't we podcast? Or the uh, twice-yearly podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're no longer semi-monthly or semi-weekly. or Right. Well, I mean, to be honest, Dave and I have been working quite a bit. We both went to a new startup. I think you guys heard about that before, so we haven't had a lot of time to do podcasts. And we never really got together to record it. We were going to do it. We misstarted a couple times, but um, we got together and we kind of talked about what we wanted to do to change the show and what what would make it easier for us to do them. So we got a a bunch of ideas. So we're going to try to do it at least twice a month. And, well, I guess at most twice a month. (laughs) Um, We'll try to do it as often as we can. Yeah, and we have some ideas. So in the upcoming episodes, hopefully you'll see some of that stuff. We think you'll enjoy it. I think we'll enjoy it as well. So look for that in uh, upcoming shows. Let's see. The forums. You want to talk about the forums? They're working again. Right. Well, they've always been working, but we've had a problem with spammers. Right. So ever since the beginning when we set up the uh, forum, we had tons of spammers from the very beginning. And I think... And these are people from Russia or whatever trying to get their websites. There's a lot of Viagra ads and stuff, (laughs) stuff like that. And I mean, literally, we were getting a couple hundred a day. And so I had to set it to where I would approve people that, that went on the forums. But it was really hard to differentiate the spammers from the non-spammers. And <laughs> it took a lot of time. And so uh, I apologize if anybody signed up to the forums, and I'm sure this happened, and then they didn't get approved. But what I've done is I installed uh, a bunch of new anti-spam software. And for the last week, I haven't got any new spam signups. So, and I've opened up registration. So anybody who wants to, please come on and sign up to the forums. you got no new spam. Have you got any new anything? There hasn't been anything going on in the forums, okay. but, but <laughs> we locked everyone out. And now we're going to try. Well, there have been some, some, no. some our old, right? Exactly, some of our old guy. Yeah, but I guess the point is that there's no spam coming in anymore. So, nice. uh, so I open up registration. If you sign up, you'll get right in. So we really would appreciate it if you guys that listen to the podcast. I know there's a lot of you out there. I see that how many people are downloading the show. And what's amazing is even though we weren't doing the podcast. We were getting tons of downloads. In fact, the downloads were going up. So I don't know why that is, but um, maybe people don't like us and they like. It's one of thrashed the server. It could oh, be that I, it just takes people a long time to find out about it, and so yeah. they're just now starting to listen. That or the TV writer strike makes people desperate for anything. <laughs> yeah, it, it could be. be. It could be. But um, we don't charge for the podcast. So the one thing I guess I would ask is if you would please come to the forum and just sign up, you know, and uh, give us some feedback, give us a shout. We'd really appreciate it. Um, so what are we doing this episode? What's going on? Well, this time we're going to talk about the games of the year for 2007, our personal favorite games of 2007. Right, and in the uh, retro respect section, it's going to be kind of long this time, uh, there's been a series of movies that have been released recently. I, I guess a couple of those movies have released a while ago, but there are video game documentaries that we're going to talk about. So probably the biggest movie that came out recently uh, was King of Kong, and if you guys haven't seen it, you should really go see it. 
We'll talk about that in the Retro Respect section. We also have our first in-studio interview. With uh, William Carlton, who is also in a film called High Score, about his attempt to set the Missile Command world record. Exactly. So uh, stay tuned to that. It's going to be a really packed show. So let's go ahead and get it started. Onward and upward. time for what we've been playing we've been playing dave what uh, whoa <laughs> what have <laughs> i been playing well i guess i'm happy to announce that i've jo- joined the world of modern gaming and bought myself a ps3 i ended up getting it from sony style turned out to be the best deal but i have this crazy story about trying to buy one off craigslist because i was trying to get a 60 gig version because Chris, that's the best version he chris was trying to convince me that was the best version I just chopped around, chopped around, and, and kept, you know, low bidding, as everyone does on Craigslist. Got someone to agree to sell it to me for, uh, I think, 250 is what the price was. 250 for 68 Yeah. That'd be a really, really good deal, Dave. Oh, that was a pretty There's good probably deal. a catch, I'm guessing. Well, I, <laughs> this guy, so the guy calls me up. I'm all excited. I'm going to get my PS3. He uh, he says, okay, well, can you meet me at this uh, parking lot? Yeah. Well, that, go, actually, most of the time I get stuff off Craigslist, I meet people at parking lot. Oh, yeah? That doesn't oh. seem that all that out. Oh, good, because I, I feel like an idiot, because when I yeah. went there... It turned out to be a really shady deal. Like this, this guy just didn't look like he was honest. He had a box that was too small. <laughs> like too small couldn't have he contained had two, the two PS3. guys in these big, big heavy jackets. Oh, ended up like uh, you know he said, "Show me the money, show me the money," and I ended up. Uh, <laughs> show me the money. <laughs> did you show him the money? I did. I got. A, I said no. I'm sorry. And I went to this uh, coffee shop he was waiting outside of. Mm. And uh, ended up in, and you know, as soon as I went inside, he, he walked away. But it was, it what could, is up with that? But I had like three hundred, whatever, two hundred fifty dollars in, in uh, cash in my pocket. Wow. That I could have, we could. I, I, so I, I, anyone who's going on Craigslist looking for a deal, huh. just take, just, so, take, just be a little careful. So what did you think was? What was your theory? What do you think was going to happen? Was he going to give you an empty box and take? I your think money it was going to give me an empty box. I think it was going to be a box that said it looked it looked kind of old. It said <laughs> had like a, it had a sixty gig sticker on the front. Like, had a sixty gig sticker it's, on the front. Someone someone bought something. It did, but it didn't look like it was the right size. It was like about um, half the size it should have been. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to uh, make a PlayStation Three uh, half the size. I, I, Maybe I it was a very advanced prototype of a new scaled down PS Three. I don't know. If I hadn't seen the PS, <laughs> the actual PS Three that Chris had bought at the uh, in the original launch. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have known what to... I, I don't know. It was or, scary. Or, or it wow. could have had three of those new stripped-down PS1s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Anyway, I'm, I'm glad I got I got out of that. And so I, you got it from... Uh, I ended up going to Sony Style. style. Uh, what was the deal? You uh, you pay three ninety nine, and then you get 100 bucks off. You sign up for a Sony card. So, so you got the uh, $400 one, the 40 gig? The 40 gig. Without for, the backward compatibility. Exactly. Yeah. All right. But that doesn't bother me too much. Okay. And as Chris said to me, if you really want to play PS2 games, just buy PS2 for 60 bucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it works uh, better than the PlayStation 3 anyway. So, 
Anyway, I got the my first game I got for that was Eye of Judgment, which I was pretty excited about. I got that game too, but I've never played you it. You haven't played it yet. <laughs> <laughs> you won't, Chris said he'd play this with me, and he wouldn't. He hasn't done well, it yet. Well, the problem is I don't have a table to put it on. Yeah. I, need, I need a table. So if you don't I'm know... I'm still this looking is, for a table. I'm, I'm, I, I, th- I hear they have tables on Craigslist. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't, aren't familiar with this game, this is a game based uh, kind of on the Magic Gathering kind of, kind of game where you have cards. The idea is that you... Um, so they're physical cards, right? And you put it down, and then and, and it the, kind of like detects which card you put down. It, it comes with a with built with a with a PlayStation Eye. Well, I guess a PlayStation camera, USB camera built comes with the game. The game is what like we bought it for fifty five bucks. The camera itself come, goes for forty bucks, and so you're paying. I have used the camera, by the way. Yeah, just not the game. Yeah, I've seen Chris on the internet or on yeah. PlayStation Live. Yep, I was a big uh, Magic the Gathering fan in the day. I spent at least a thousand bucks on cards. So I was pretty excited about this computerized version of a card game. But I've played it a few times, and uh, I can't beat the computer. I've beat the computer once in probably about 20 games. <laughs> are there Which is why he levels? wants me to play. Yes. I've never played a card game. So. <laughs> but are, so you're on the easy level or something? Yeah, I'm on the easy level. You still can't beat it? I've, there's a lot of math involved, like making sure that your characters you're going to place are going to beat the ones that are uh. there. Um, it's a lot of, you know, not that math is hard, but it's, it's a lot of things to keep in mind, which your computer is really good at figuring out. Right. But it's, if you've already played Magic the Gathering a lot and you yeah. still find this hard, it I must find, be pretty hard. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty complicated game. Now, so is this actually branded Magic the Gathering? Or no, 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 it's, it's a similar. It's thing. a completely different okay. game. You I can think, buy the cards and the booster packs and all that right. kind of crap Same, too. same scenario. You, uh, I think the Wizards of the Coast slash Hasbro... They yeah, designed the game. I, I think so. I don't know. So I'm there's actually people sure. who know how to make a card game designed it, and it's the games are relatively short. Uh, I'd say like probably five minutes max. Right. Um, but it's kind of cool. You can play it over the internet. It's, it's and really you, cool. Concept. And you have uh, physical cards, so you know it's kind of like a, a combination. Yeah, that is cool. yeah, so. I've also found it really hard to get the PlayStation Eye to recognize my cards, and I've had to I had to lay out a, a piece of plywood on the floor to put the table on and get bright light <laughs> on top of the on the on the uh, on the table. Huh. Anyway, but so that's kind of been a wash that game. Um, but I really liked. Chris introduced me to, uh, I think it's Super Puzzle Vite, uh, Fighter HD, Two. I think Puzzle right. Fighter Two HD re- Remix. I think is the yeah, whole title. That's what it's called. Um, it's a downloaded off the PlayStation uh, shops, and yeah. I really have been enjoying that. It's kind of a Tetris knockoff. It's the Tetris knockoff, but when you go head to head, you can send garbage to the other side based on the number of combos right. you get. And I rushed out to uh, Comp USA to buy an extra controller so I could play a two player over Christmas, but yep. I wasn't able to find someone to play with me. Oh. <laughs> I would of, play with you, Dave. It's kind of the story of my life, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I would play it with you online. You never asked me to play that game. You keep talking about Eye of Judgment. I haven't gone through the like four hour tutorial that I hear now, <laughs> so I, I can't play it. Yeah, yeah. And I don't have a table. <laughs> I also got Orange Box. I played a little bit of Half-Life 2. It was pretty cool, but I got dizzy, like I do in all first-person shooters. <laughs> yeah, Dave can't play first-person shooters. He gets he gets nauseous. I think it's it's a matter of getting comfortable with the controls, and I just have not got con- comfortable with the uh, six-actions controller yeah. controlling first-person shooter. Yep. And uh, But we did, Chris and I did uh, play some Burnout with, Paradise. With uh, Ken, another guy from you know, our work. Another guy from work, yeah. Shout played some Burnout Paradise online on the PS3. And I got to say, you know, for most of the... Uh, PS3, the networking like is not very good online play, but uh, it's really integrated right into a Burnout Paradise, and it's, it's it was really fun. I mean, you yeah. bring up your friends list right online, connect with them, play it. It's yeah. a good game. I, I, I gotta say, I'm jealous because Burnout's one of my favorite uh, series, yeah. and the 360 doesn't come out till next week. Burnout Paradise. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Well, it does. It doesn't come out for PS3 either. 
We were oh, playing okay. the demo. You can download the yeah. demo, Woody. Really? We were playing the demo online. We wow. can't I'll play. play the demo online with you, Woody. I got 362. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Tom all can right. play, too. We can, can all play. play. It's pretty cool. I mean, you, you drive around, and it's like you you can participate in different events. Like, you all have to do certain stunts and stuff together. Oh, cool. It's really cool. Yeah. And last thing um, is I got this board game um, called Talisman, which is an old board game that I used to play in college. And they, I see in there that they're saying that a PS3 version, Xbox version, is coming out for that. Yep. So I'm looking forward to that whenever it does. Right now, the website just says it's coming and no other information. Cool. So that's my that's what I've been doing. So what have you been up to, Woody? Well, much like Dave, I finally joined the modern world of console gaming. All right. I got a 360 a couple months ago. So I started off, I bought three games right off the bat. I bought Halo 3. Played that. Played a little online with Chris. Yeah. Fun. So uh, yeah, we got together one night, and we, I think we had. Do we have four people playing, or was it only three? Just three of us. Three. People. Yeah. I mean, I gotta say, you know, Halo Three. I know, like in a lot of the end of the year awards, we'll be talking about that soon. Didn't get a lot of awards, but for me, the co-op experience in Halo Three is unmatched. Can you think of another game that has a co-op experience like that? Uh, you guys probably haven't played it, but because they have a competitive uh, scoring mode. So you go through a single-player campaign, but in addition to just clearing the level, you get points by who you kill and how many you kill. So it's like a game within a game. It's not no, just clearing the level. Nice, yeah. Well, and this is, for me, my first Halo game, so yeah. it's a lot of fun. I've never had that. Did Xbox you finish before. Halo? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. I got distracted by other games. Also got uh, Assassin's Creed, which yeah. I've been having fun with. Yeah, that's just a good one. A, probably a quarter of the way into it. See, now, Assassin's Creed seems to be pretty controversial. It's like some people love it, some people hate it, some people say it's very repetitive and unforgiving. A lot, a lot of people, faffing about. A lot of faffing about, if you will. I really love it. <laughs> I I would, I, I read uh, the Penny Arcade guys who have that kind right, of strip. Yeah, yeah. They said um, they liked it. Well, but they did, say, but he did talk about how at one point he actually start, tried to start rushing through the game to get different right, things. Yeah. And he said as soon as he tried to start rushing things to get to the next mission, the next mission, he immediately, it felt tedious to him. Right. It was only when he was just kind of playing, exploring around, it, it he never felt bored at all. What? So I guess what I've read is that there's like four things and you do them over and over and over. And it's somewhat repetitive. Do you not? Is it not like that? What do you say? I, I haven't played I it, can so see that, but it's, it's you, you got to distract. Part of it is distracted by the whole exploration. Right. So the way that it's the way they change it up in a little way. So yeah, no, definitely I can understand anyone who criticizes it for being repetitive and monotonous. I definitely understand where they're coming from. Yep. I haven't felt that yet. Okay. But well, I, Woody, like you and I talked about this a little bit, and what I came up with is it is repetitive, but it's repetitive to me in the same way that, like a driving game is repetitive because you just drive and drive and drive. It's the same kind of thing. It's like you're exploring cities, and you do do that over and over and over. And there's certain kinds of missions that you do over and over. So it all depends on whether you like that kind of thing. If you like that kind of thing, it's going to be really fun. If you, if you don't like it, then you're going to think that you do it way too much. Well, to guess, me, it was all about the atmosphere, though. It was right, about yeah. you know the idea of these very detailed, historically accurate cities. For me, it was fun to just walk around in the cities and look around. Right, like, yeah. Like, I think it is a game that you would benefit from playing at a relaxed pace, You know, not feeling like, how soon can I get through it? Right. Just like... Go for the experience, you know, check it out, take your time, you know, look around the cities. It's an interesting world. It really is. Did you buy it, Tom, or did you get it through Gamefly? No, I bought it. Okay. So maybe it'll let me borrow it. Sure, yeah. All right, there you go. Now that I finished it. <laughs> so then I got Need for Speed, Pro Street. Okay. Yeah. That was just that's the one they had at the store. That's the newest one, right? I think so, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and that's fun. I like the Need for Speed series. I. It's a little annoying to me, the whole... Uh, 
the whole campaign concept, yeah. almost the role playing where you go and you earn money and then you got to pay money to repair your car when it gets broken <laughs> and things like that. And it's like, when I buy a racing game, it's just, mm, I want to race. race. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, so. and I don't mind getting damaged within a race. That's part of the thing, but I don't like the whole carryover from one race to the next and the right. whole, and everything outside the racing. I'm just like, get me to the next race. So right. I don't know about that. But I think that, that I, I don't know if I like that. Yeah. I don't know. I and then Virtual Fighter Five. Yeah, uh, my wife's a big fan of fighting games. I played games. the demo. Uh, I don't know all the moves or anything in Virtual Fighter, so. Oh no, neither do I. I'm just. A, I'm more of a button button masher. Button yeah, masher, yeah, yeah. The graphics are amazing, though. Yeah, think. yeah, it's really good. And like I said, my wife really loves fighting games, so this first thing I've been able to play two player. I went out and got a second controller for that. Um, and then finally, I got Guitar Hero Three, and I, I love that game. Not very good. I've got <laughs> to I've most of the way through medium level, but it's a lot of fun. So you play Rock Band yet, or just Guitar Hero? No rock band yet. Okay. I haven't played it either. You play Tom? Rock band? No. All right. Uh, and that about covers it. All right. So who's next? Chris, what have you been playing? All right. Well, uh, it's been a while. It's been eight months. I've uh, played quite a few games. So oh. buckle up. It's going to be All a little right. while. All right. So I'm going to start. I'm going to go by platform because I have that many to talk about. Um, is it start... in alphabetical order? It platform? is not. It is not. It's, oh. uh, so I'll start off with the Xbox 360. One of my favorite games of the year was Bioshock. Yeah, how many of you guys played that? Haven't played it. Not See, Tom, what are you guys doing? Played some of it when we were up at the uh, expo. PAX. Yeah, we went to uh, PAX. Well, yeah, we were, we were gonna have a podcast about PAX, but we very, did. Very atmospheric. I uh, finished that. That was a great game. Uh, definitely, I guess it won Game Informer's Game of the Year, but we'll talk about that in a bit. You should pick it up, Tom. It's it's I'll kind of a it. you know what it is, right? I yeah, mean, this yeah. old combination FPS with some role playing aspects. It, mm-hmm. It's definitely worth playing. Uh, Halo Three, which Woody yeah. touched on earlier, played that. Finished that as well. And I gotta say, uh, single player campaign, not impressed. I didn't think it was that great. Uh, but the single player co-op, I mean the multiplayer co-op, like if you're gonna play that game, I wouldn't play it for the single player. Definitely play it for the, uh, the co-op. So if anybody out there from the, uh, listeners that wants to play, I'm definitely up for it, playing through some levels. Woody and I'll get online and play with you. Definitely. And you know, you're saying that about the first person shooters that typically I find the same thing with all the ones I've ever played. Right. Quake 3, um, and Doom are two of my favorite games of all time, but I've played very little, like, single-digit hours right. of the single-player campaigns. It's all about the multiplayer. But what do you think um, about the perspective of doing a multiplayer, you know, campaign? Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Co-op's fun. It's just the key ingredient is for first-person shooters, whether it's co-op or competitive or whatever, um, or co-op competitive, uh, it's always it's the multiplayer aspect. Because yes, the single-player exactly. aspect of those I, I find repetitive, too. So, uh, <laughs> another game I was playing uh, that I finished uh, parts of is Orange Box. We talked about that earlier, but I finished Portal. Uh, you haven't played Portal, Tom? Hey, do you play anything, Tom, in the last eight months? What are you doing? Uh, we'll get to that. We'll All right, because uh, you know this is, like, this is like uh, you know, a game that everybody should play. Yeah, Chris yeah, loves now, Portal. I've been hearing some raves about Portal. Uh, everybody should play it. If you like video games, you have to play Portal. You have to play all the way through it. It's like two and a half hours, three hours to finish the entire game. So You, you can't be Chris's friend and not hear him say over and over again, you need to play Portal. <laughs> you need to play Portal, and you need to play it now. <laughs> all right. I said it every day at work to everybody who had a 360. It's true. I think that finally got most people played, except for Dave. Except for me. So um, also in Orange Box, I've been playing Half-Life 2. I finished that. Um, so the only two I have really left in the orange box is episode one, which I'm almost done with, and episode two, and then I'll have completed all. But see, when I played through orange box, I compared that to a Halo 3 single player campaign. There's no comparison. Half-Life 2 is a much better game. It's just the story is so much better. I think the graphics are way better on the mm. 360. I just think it's a better story. I guess that's the main thing. And I like the pacing of the game much better. I thought the ending of Halo 3 was really poor. 
But uh, Half-Life just, it builds throughout the game. So if you haven't played Half-Life 2 and you uh, you have 360, I'd definitely say pick that up or the PS3. Although I hear the PS3 version is a bit, uh, has a few bugs. A little, little... I haven't found them yet. All right. Yeah, we'll <laughs> keep playing. Yeah. All right. So then uh, another game I played and finally finished was Tomb Raider Legend. I finally finished that game. No, I do have that game. I haven't finished it yet. I got stuck on that stupid level where the cave fills up with water. Yeah. But I think that's, go, isn't that like most of the levels, Tom? I think, they all, I think that puzzle's like in there isn't like five times. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's the first level, actually. But no, no, it's not the first level. It's, right. it's a ways in. So, and, and people have been listening to the podcast forever. I got to announce, I finally finished Call of Duty 2 on Veteran Difficulty. All right. I got a lot of people Woo! sending me. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. That first game, I got I got all 1,000 gamer points, which I feel really good about. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. So, uh, so people that were sending me the messages saying, hey, why did you go all the way through this game and not finish it? I finally finished it. So, there you go. All right, so I did get a PlayStation 3. I don't think the last time we did a podcast, I had it. So I you know, I had the one that I sold on eBay after I spent the night and almost got beat up. Well, I got another one. And, <laughs> uh, and this one, in, what was that? It's a lot of beating up in PlayStation 3. Portal. That's right, dude. It's it's a rough game, the PlayStation 3. <laughs> so, uh, so I finally got a PlayStation 3 of my own and played a couple games. We talked about Burnout Paradise, which I played online with Dave. And by the way, Burnout Paradise, and I know I think it's way on 362, takes advantage of the camera. Oh yeah, and one of the funniest parts of playing that game online is every time like you wreck the other person, it shows them a live feed of them right after they got destroyed. <laughs> nice. So, so like I kept seeing Dave's see face, face over and over. Yeah, and but over. It's, it's not like I had a shocked expression in my face. It was more of oh, oh no, not again. Exactly. So I just I, my camera was actually pointing at my feet. So all Dave saw was my my feet yeah. every time. Wasn't, wasn't wasn't nearly as cool. <laughs> Uh, so uh, the other game I've been playing on the PlayStation 3, or I finished, is I completed uh, Uncharted Drake's Fortune, which I gotta say, for me, is one of the best games of the year. Wow. Uh, if you guys have a PlayStation 3 out there, definitely pick up Uncharted. The graphics are amazing. They're better than anything I've seen on 360. Uh, the action, it's a very action-oriented game. Is it a sort of Tomb Raider-style game? It's Tomb Raider. It's kind of, I mean, it's more, it, yeah, it has aspects of Tomb Raider, but it also has a lot of aspects of Gears of War. Oh, okay. So it uses the same kind of cover yeah, system. Yeah, over the shoulder shooting. Right. I played yeah. a little bit of it. Haven't got into it yet. Yeah, but the best part about that game is um is the sound. Uh, I mean, the sound yeah. is incredible in that. What game. about it? Like the it just the well, realism you, of it. Or if what? you have five one surround, I mean, mm-hmm. it takes full advantage of it. It's it's a uh, what what's the format? It's a. Uh, DTS format. Yeah. Okay. It's it's yeah. one of the first games that's been recorded in huh. DTS format. So like if they're shooting behind you, you know, boom. I mean, everything is exactly where it is. You can spin the character around. Things are, you know, in 5-1. I'll, maybe I'll fire it up later and let you guys play through the demo. It's one of the best games I've played all year. So the other thing I've been doing is uh, I was playing a lot of 360 games, a lot of PlayStation 3 games. Well, I kind of got back into PC gaming. PC gaming. I know. After I said it was dead. Didn't you I say know. PC gaming was dead? Well, actually, that's kind of why I did it. Is it dead? <laughs> oh, you were I, testing. It was, it was in, you know, I had to do my own investigation. So, um, so how's your PC gaming grave robbing going? <laughs> <laughs> so here's the deal. Like, the new 8800 GT from NVIDIA came out, which I don't know if you guys know about this graphics card, but it's it's a pretty powerful card. It's next, almost up to the one on the top of the line, and it's only like 200 bucks. Oh, nice. Like 220 bucks. So I don't this Best Buy credit. And I've had this Best Buy credit for probably going on four years. <laughs> and I can't ever find anything to buy at Best Buy. So I was like, well, I might as well buy a new video card and throw that in my computer. Because um, I wanted to play a couple PC games. Uh, so I upgraded it. I also upgraded my uh, processor to a dual core. And it cost me like $60. Cool. Which was amazing to go from a single core to a dual core. And I added more memory, although the memory was defective and I had to return it. Return it. <laughs> yeah. 
So, uh, what games have I been playing on the PC? Uh, I played and finished Crisis, which a lot of people have talked about. Talked about, like, you know what Crisis is? Is Crisis yeah. like Far Cry? Yeah, it's exactly yeah. made by the same people that did Far Cry. Right. It's basically kind of like Far Cry 2, although there is a Far Cry 2 coming out. They sold that license, uh, Crytek, mm-hmm. and they made their own game called uh, Crisis. And it's all about, it's a first-person shooter, mm-hmm. but it's much more along the lines of, I know you've been playing Just Cause quite a bit, Tom. Yeah, lots of Just it's, Cause. It's much more sandbox-oriented first-person shooter. And the graphics are are amazing, and the physics in this game are incredible. You know, you have to have a pretty beefy PC to play. That's kind of the big problem. You know, most people can't play it to a suitable frame rate, um, which is why I upgraded my computer to play it. But this game is all about, um, you have this nano suit. And the nano suit allows you to morph into different powers for a limited amount of time. Like you can go invisible and you can do a lot of stealth action. You can mm-hmm. do speed. You can do strength. Uh, and so basically, or you can improve how your uh, shooting is, your your accuracy. You guys should really play it if you have a PC that's capable of playing it. Halfway through, it kind of goes a little off the beaten path. But the graphics are worth it. The openness is like you can play any level the way you want. You could do it cool. stealth. You could do it fast. You could do whatever. And it's just an amazing game, um, and, uh, and it's kind of nice because, you know, there's nowhere else I can play it other than the PC. So PC gaming, definitely not dead, although it's getting closer. Is a lot of those <laughs> so franchises, franchises are coming over. Uh, some of the other stuff I played on the PC, I, I messed around with a bunch of demos. I played Call of Duty 4 on it. I have Call of Duty 4 for the 360. I haven't played it yet, <laughs> but I uh, played through the demo on there. I played Gears of War on the PC. Uh, now, why would you play Gears of War on the PC after you already finished it on the 360? I just want to compare the two, kind of see what the uh, graphics are like. Okay. Um, they added a couple levels, but overall, it, it you know, it's Gears of War. I, and the thing is, it's there's a lot of bugs in it. It's really, <laughs> it's almost like Microsoft put out an unfinished game on the PC. There's t- if you go to their forums, you're just getting flogged with a bunch of people saying there's problems with the game, but they kind of haven't responded to any of them. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure what the state is of that game right now. I played Unreal Tournament three on the PC. Uh, I played World in Conflict. I played The Witcher. Maybe we can go more into those in upcoming podcasts. Cause I actually bought The Witcher and talk about that because it's a really good game. So, into the classic gaming area. What have I done? Uh, for the arcade, I finished my Centipede Cabaret Restoration. Yeah, I played that the other night. That's sweet. Yeah, so it is I great. finally have that done. And maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more after the uh, one of the uh, retro segments. And I finished my Space Ace Restoration. So, that's all up and running. And as far as retro computing goes, a friend at work, Ron, he had an Atari 8-bit growing up computer, 8-bit computer, like the 400, 800, 800 XL. I never had one, but I did. I, I decided to pick one off Craigslist, and I did meet a guy in a parking lot and didn't get beat up, Dave. So, uh, <laughs> was the box the wrong size? No, it was, it was, well, it was just a box. I don't know. <laughs> so, um, so I also bought this uh, cable. It's an SIO 2PC transfer cable, and you get it from atarimax.com. What's really nice is it's a USB cable you hook up, and to the Atari, it looks like a disk drive. So you can feed it in image, images directly. Wow. And I also have a disk drive, so I'm able to create floppy disk images from it. Nice. And it's, it's really, really nice. So I can load games super quick. I've been playing games like uh, Montezuma's Revenge on there, uh, Seven Cities of Gold, and Zork. I recommend that if you're into the Atari 8-bit, pick one of those up, pick the cable up, and it, it's a blast to go back through all those games. Finally, in the retro section, I picked up an Odyssey 2 console. I never had awesome. one as a kid, but I always <laughs> went in the stores and saw them, and I got Casey Munchkin, which was always a game that I thought was better than Pac-Man for the 2600, and indeed it is better. <laughs> and I like the Odyssey 2. All right. It's hard to be worse than the 2600. Yeah. Well, that's that, true, right? but I never got yeah. to play Casey Munchkin, so okay. now, now I can play it in game. 
Awesome. All right, all right, Tom, so what have you been playing? Well, I finished a couple of games, which is somewhat rare for me. A lot of times I lose interest in a game before I put in all the time and patience so, to finish it. So something about that, Tom. I was thinking, like, all this time we had off, I finished a ton of games, too. And it's like, we should have a discussion segment at one time uh, in the future about, you know, finishing games. And the difference between people who finish games... I'm against it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just... I think there you get a lot more out of a game when you finish it. If it Rather, suck. Because I listen to a lot of these podcasts, right? Other podcasts. And it's like every episode, the dude's like, well, I played this game this week, and I played this game this week. And it's like, they never finish any of the games they were playing the week before. They don't even <laughs> mention them. I'm like, dude, like... I think to get the full experience, you got to finish it. Yeah, uh, that's true. But for me, there's only certain games that I like so much that I really want to finish it. I, I very often lose interest. And so that's why I want to talk about some of the ones that I did finish. Um, like I finished Mass Effect. Mm-hmm. And not only did I finish Mass Effect, but from the moment I put that in the tray, I didn't play anything else until I finished it. Right. I really liked it that much. It was It was a fantastic game. The interesting thing about it is Mass Effect and Assassin's Creed, the other game I finished, they have something in common, which is that they're about more than just the gameplay. They're really sort of about a cinematic experience almost as much as the gameplay. Like, if you really think about Mass Effect, a lot of the areas of gameplay may not be the best of breed. Like, the shooting part of Mass Effect is probably not the best shooter. The, you know, driving around on a planet part of Mass Effect is definitely not the best driving game. There's a lot of places where if you look at the, you know, piece by piece, it may not be the best. But for me, the overall experience, including the storyline, the characters, the cinematics, the, the sound, the voice acting, like you put it all together. And for me, it was one of the best games I've played in a long time. Well, see, I, I guess that's the, the point I'm making, Tom, is that like, if you had only played four hours of it, and you gave your opinion on a podcast, how legitimate is your opinion? Not at all. <laughs> not Well, not as much. Right, because I, mean, I don't think, like, it's a game like Portal. If I only played the very beginning of Portal, I wouldn't understand the full thing. And I'm like, uh, well, this game sucks because I didn't like the first two levels. Well, the point is that I think if you finish games, you're going to get the full experience and kind of go what the vision was for the game. So I guess I'm a little hesitant to believe people when they only play the first portion of the yeah, game and don't actually point. finish it. That's a good point. But at the same time, I, I, that's definitely true for some games, but say, for example, we were talking about Halo 3. Yeah. If someone just wants to do the multiplayer part, and they don't actually want to play well, through to the end... that's different, because that's a right. multiplayer aspect of the game. I'm talking right. about a single-player game where they say, one week, yeah, I really like this game, I got through the first two levels, then next week, they're playing a different game. Right. It's like, right. what is that? Like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, like, maybe they rigged the first two levels to be good, and the rest of the game sucks. Right. You know, I don't, right. I don't really know. Okay, here's a great example. This, this is a perfect lead into another game that I finished, which is Just Cause. Now... You may remember we had a podcast way back when where I talked about getting Just Cause. And the interesting thing about Just Cause is that... Why did you get it? Why did I get it? Just Cause. Yeah, Just Cause. (laughs) So, uh, anyway, but at first, I didn't really like the game all that much. In fact, I sort of put it aside and didn't play it for a really long time. Why? Because the first couple of levels weren't all that exciting. The first couple of missions weren't all that exciting. But I went back to it. And... Part of the reason I went back to it is that after finishing Assassin's Creed, I wanted to play another kind of open world, open environment game like that. So I went back to Just Cause, and I got further into it, and I discovered that, hey, it's a lot better than the first couple of levels. Right, exactly. Because after a while, you discover that the world's really gigantic, there's so many more vehicles, there's so many more kinds of things you can do, and 
you know, it may not be the best game out there, but it's really fun. And I got very hooked on it after going back to it for the second time and getting a little further into it. I went back to uh, Knights of the Old Republic just because having finished Mass Effect, I wanted to play another game like that. Um, I went back to Bard's Tale on the PS2, which is very funny. Yeah, um, that was I, good I got Bard's Tale used for, I think it was like $8 or something. So uh, it's a very funny game. Um, I played MX versus ATV on the 360, and uh, I was a little bit disappointed. It's not that the game's bad, but because I had played the previous games in that series, I didn't really feel like it was anything all that new. It's, you know, the graphics are great. There's a lot, it's a big world, there's a lot you can do, but I felt like I was playing the same game I already played. And then uh, finally, Puzzle Quest, which is different than the Puzzle Fighter thing that Dave was talking about, but Puzzle Quest on Xbox Live Arcade for the 360 is a really, really cool design for a game because it kind of combines um, Bejeweled, right. the, the basic Bejeweled game mechanic, with something that's almost more like Magic the Gathering right. where you're, yeah. you're fighting against different types of creatures and they have different powers that they can use to affect the game board in different ways. And, and you actually use your combos that you make with the jewels to, cr- to cast different spells and do different things. Yeah. And, you, and it, it's like an RPG. You can, you can level up and get new spells and get new equipment and stuff. And it's a really good idea. It's, it's the type of game design that you see and you go, wow, why didn't I think of that? It's such yeah. a, it's, once you see it, you realize, oh, it's a really cool design. That's what we've been playing for the last eight months. <laughs> <laughs> time for the discussion this time we're talking about our favorite games of 2007 why don't you kick it off tom all right so for me for my number one game it was a really tough decision between mass effect and assassin's creed but i had to give it to mass effect just because i think mass effect can play through multiple times from the beginning and have a completely different experience each time have a different character um, use different abilities and I, I've actually started through on my second time through with a different character. So you're going through your most favorite game to your least favorite game. Yeah. You're, you're making it the most... Yeah, okay. <laughs> Usually it goes the other way. It doesn't... All right, that's fine. Do you want me to do it the other way? No, that's fine. Okay. Why don't you just go that way? So I'll do it the other way, but... Yeah, number one for me, Mass Effect. Uh, number two, Assassin's number Creed. Number one is in the best. As in the best, yeah. Right, okay. Number two, Assassin's Creed, which we already talked about quite a bit. Number three for me is Skate. Um, the reason I picked Skate is that it took a genre, the skateboarding game, that I had gotten almost completely sick of and really breathed new life into it and gave it a different dynamic and a different type of gameplay. Number four, I picked Just Cause, which we talked about already. Not necessarily that it's the best game, but I just I spent so much time. It's the first game that I really wanted to try to get every achievement on. And, you, and I'm you, you almost got there. Oh. I'm two away. Oh. There's two did, I can't... did I mention earlier that I got all the achievements in Call of Duty too? Yeah, you did, yeah. Chris. And so 
I know that you got all the achievements in like NBA 2K6 when you were being achievement whore. I remember that, but uh, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> that doesn't really count. I don't. That think. doesn't really count. No. This one, I'm. I, there's two I haven't gotten, and I think there might be a bug where it's not letting me get it. Even oh, though sure. I already yeah. did. If you can't yeah, get an achievement, it's a bug. It's a bug. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I'll keep trying. Right. I'm not a millionaire. Um, it's a bug. <laughs> okay, the remainder of my best games, Overlord. Which I think wow. is sort of an overlooked That's game. That's kind of a surprise. Over- Overlord has a great sort of uh, unique new play dynamic that's a little bit like Lemmings or something where you control these minions and send them around. Um, Guitar Hero. Wii Sports. Wii Sports is probably the best game when you have a party and there's people who are not gamers there. Right. It's very easy to get them and, to play. And one thing Wii we should mention about our list is it doesn't actually have to be a game brought out this year. It's right. just our favorite games of 2007. Also for the Wii, uh, Zelda on the Wii, I think is a great game. How far are you in that? I'm to the Water Temple part. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Um, did you wear the heavy boots? Or? Yeah, I did. Okay, just checking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you do it without that. Yeah, it's kind of hard. And then finally, uh, Nintendo DS, Etrian Odyssey, mainly because yeah. it reminded me of the old games like Wizardry and stuff like that. Nice game for a portable system. It's great for playing on planes. And then another portable, um, there are two games on the iPod that I like, and I have to give these some credit, because I think it's very hard to make any decent game at all on the iPod. The iPod's not all that suited to a, a game, but uh, there's a Sudoku and Sims Bowling, both from EA, for the iPod, that I think are very fun. So that's my list. So, uh, Chris, how about you? All right, so I did a little bit different than Tom. He just kind of did the whole, like, here's my list, and he went in the wrong order. But um, what, <laughs> what I did is I actually did it by platform. So I'm going to break it down in terms of my favorite games of the year by platform. So let's start off with the PC. I got back into PC gaming. I guess it's not dead yet. It's just getting closer. And my number one game of the year for the PC is Crisis. We talked about it earlier. If you have a machine-capable planet, you got to check it out. And I hope it does come to the 360 and PS3 someday, because uh, I think uh, the, just the whole dynamic of the game is really good. On the DS, I picked a game from 2006, and that game is Elite Beat Agents. That is a good game. That I is, played that. Yes, I, that, of all the games I played this year on the DS, I think that's one I played the most and had the most fun playing, so it's my game of the year, favorite game of the year. All have right. you played that, Woody? I have not. I believe you would be a big Elite Beat Agents fan. You're probably pretty good yeah. at it. Yeah. All right. You like to tap stuff, don't you? I love to tap. Yeah, so if you love to tap, you like it. The only thing I found about that game is that I thought some of the initial levels were way too easy, and then there's a few levels that are super hard. I, I found the whole game pretty easy, Tom. Yeah. I guess you're probably just not very good at it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's true, Chris. Yeah, I, well, I'm just being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, on the PSP, uh, my favorite game of the year is Jean d'Arc. Did you play that, Tom? I haven't played it yet. Yeah. Are you still claiming the PSP is a worthwhile platform? I am. I love my PSP. Actually, I played my PSP way more than I played my DS. In fact, the only game I really played on the DS here was Elite Beat Agents. I mean, really? I really don't use my DS that much. I gotta say, dude, if anybody wants my DS, just let me know. <laughs> Maybe I'll give it away, because I really I don't play it that much. I'm exactly the opposite. I play yeah. the DS all the time, and I hardly ever play the PSP. Yeah. Have you played John Dark? No. Well, have you played John Dark? Um, let me think. No. <laughs> See? Well, that's a problem. Uh, actually, it's when we were at... um. Packs this year. Really? There's a bunch of people that were playing it. I played the demo of it and I picked it up and I just thought it was an amazing game. Interesting. It's a lot of fun. Alright, so let's move on to the uh, Xbox 360. My favorite game of the year on the Xbox 360 is The Orange Box. It's a great value. Dave has it on the PS3. Yeah. Uh, the fact that you get Half-Life 2, Episode 1, Episode 2, and Portal, and Team Fortress 2, all for 59 bucks is an amazing deal and all of the games are good. So it's definitely my game of the year and my value of the year. 
PS3, we talked about it earlier, and in fact, during the last break, we all got to play it, or at least see me play it. <laughs> but <laughs> you're I, right, when I saw you play it, yeah. you're right about the sound. The sound is amazing, the surround sound effect is amazing. Uncharted Drake's Fortune. What did you think of the graphics, though? Graphics are very good. They yeah. have a... They remind me a little bit of Assassin's Creed. They have that kind of fluidity, although Assassin's Creed, I think, is even better. And, and, I, and I completely agree. The setting seems very Tomb Raider-ish, except, yeah. but the gameplay seemed much more like Gears of War. Right. Well, you didn't get to see all the levels either. I got to say that when that demo came out, very unimpressive. Compared to the yeah. rest of the Compared game, the rest, graphically, okay. I, I, I think it's probably better than Assassin's Creed, but I'll let you decide My, well, what, okay. if you ever get a PS3, which probably never will. <laughs> All right, so uh, on the Wii, my favorite game of the year, and the game I played definitely the most was Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. I'm still not done with it. I'm like 45. You're not done with I'm it. I'm like 45 hours in, dude. Oh, man. I'm going to finish it, All unlike right. those people that play like the first two levels of a game and give up. <laughs> I'm actually going to finish the game, so uh, maybe by the next podcast I'll have I know, because I thought you were almost done the last time we had a podcast. <laughs> a year ago. They have been, but look at all the games I finished since then. All right. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> all right, so then, uh, so then I get to my overall favorite game of the year. You know, a lot of thought, a lot of discussion. I talked with my wife about it for an extended period of time. We we discussed it. That's, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and then uh, uh, what I came up with was uh, the Orange Box. That's my favorite game of the year. I played it the most. Uh, it's the best value. And he won't shut up about Portal. You know, the cake is a lie. And um, all right, so then on to my honorable mentions. I created an honorable mentions category. All right. These are games that didn't fit, you know, as the my favorite game of the year in any platform, but I think they're worth noting. So, uh, number one, Bioshock. I can't believe Tom hasn't played it. Um, you gotta play it. Number two, I have Crackdown. Played that, Woody? Uh, I saw you play it a little you bit. You gotta pick up yeah. Crackdown. Pick okay. it up. It's pretty cheap. Uh, I'll play online with you. And that's another game that's an open world type environment. You'd probably like it, Tom. I played the demo, and the demo was pretty good. Yeah, it's much better than the demo, actually. And especially the uh, cooperative plays. And lastly, uh, honorable mention, I have the Halo 3. All right. And uh, the reason I picked Halo 3 is because I had so much fun playing with uh, Woody and the other guys online. Uh, it's an experience unlike any other I've had, you know, because it's a combination of uh, kind of a single-player, like, uh, driven campaign with multiple people. My console of the year? 360. I went with 360. Mostly because the games. This was an amazing year for the Xbox 360. There were tons of games. You know, anything that was coming out, it seemed like every month there was another huge hit for the 360. All right, on to Dave. Dave, what have I... Uh, you know, I really don't have much to uh, contribute for this for this discussion, but I will say that uh, I, did, I did play a lot of games this year. A lot of them were retro, and I just didn't feel like bringing them into my game. Load Runner, I would think, would be your uh, game. Load Runner, I have played a lot of Load so Runner. So explain what you've been doing at work. I can't believe you didn't mention that and what you've been playing. Yeah, I forgot about that. Okay. <laughs> so what have you been playing, Dave? Load Runner's only <laughs> greatest game of all time. Yeah. Uh, Chris brought in a Load Runner for the Atari 800. Yeah, and, or 400. Uh, any 8-bit Atari. Uh, he brought in uh, this, I go, this... Okay, it's time for a throwdown. I sat down and in between compiles at work. I didn't I didn't play it all day we long. We long compiles. I had long compiles. Listen, during my downtime, I... Uh, <laughs> I got to level 32. Well, no, what I get? I got to level 25 of, of Loadrunner, yeah. my first guy. And that was with fighting bugs and losing two guys on the first level because I didn't realize you could, I had to fight with the uh, only one button to dig. Yeah, so on the Atari, there's only one button to dig. So the deal is that Loadrunner between levels just sits there. Until right. you move it. So they during the day, him and John compete. <laughs> yeah. And they'll do a level yeah. at a time, and they'll do a compile, then another level. And yeah. they got to the point where they flipped the game over, and it started doing levels again. It was like, got to 32, wow. a magic number, yeah. and at 33 was the same as level one. 
Yeah, but faster, he said. I think it was a little bit faster. Yeah. It was kind of sad. Very disappointing. Yeah. So I, I've said it before in previous podcasts, but really, truly, honestly, no sarcasm. Load Runner is easily my favorite game of all time. Yeah. Um. Now, in the one you're playing, what what interests me most when I very young kid uh, playing it, you can make your own levels. Yes. Some of them right. Yeah, right. Some of the, yeah. And I remember making levels forever and ever. I, yeah. I spent more time making levels than actually playing the yeah. game, I think. We should yeah. make some levels. We should make some levels. Work. Yeah. We yeah. can make some creative After levels. After Say some... Yeah, things we wouldn't do that during work hours. <laughs> no, but so did you know? I, I just want to yeah, put this yeah. forward for Woody, who's a big yeah. Loadrunner fan. That Loadrunner is coming out on Xbox Live Arcade. I think it's ah, uh, yeah, definitely in, in a couple. It's coming out. In a, is it out or is it coming no, out? No, I think it's it's not out yet. Okay, but it's that will out. definitely. Be but I think that. I think it's a reimagination of it. I don't. think Yeah, it's, it's 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 got some new. It's got a whole bunch of new Xbox graphics. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, but I think it's. It's supposed not to be true to the classic game, game play, play. Right. Yeah, but it's got re- you know that'll work. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It's not doesn't have the original. Level. I'm sure they'll probably have an add-on where they have the original levels. But uh, for my 2007 games of the year, uh, the game I played the most was the, on the PC, the ship. Yeah, the ship. Um, I wouldn't. Uh, it was it was good. You know, I got I spent some time with some wasted. I a lot saw of time you playing that. that a lot at work. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have, but my work computer is faster than my home computer. Yeah. So I had to, just had to test it out to make sure what it would look like on a LCD screen. Yep. And, um, I, you know, I got pretty sick of that game, though. And, and as uh, as it got older, fewer people, fewer and fewer people were online, which yep. made it less and less fun game. Um, and But on the PS3, I've, if I had to call out one game of the year, I'd say Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo HD Remix. The longest title of the year as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I made yep. sure I cut and paste it from the website. All right, so Woody, your favorite games of the year? Well, uh, very short list. I spent the first half of the year in the throes of a uh, World of Warcraft addiction. Yeah. I finally kicked. What that. level? What level did you get to? Oh, I got to seventy. Oh, I, I, oh yeah. I finally kicked oh, my it God. when I got to the point where you'd have to group up with other people. Yeah, that, play that nice. sucks. And yeah, so it was. It's terrible in those multiplayer role playing games where you have to interact Involve with other, other people. Yes, it does yes, suck. Yes. <laughs> Thank well, you. it was to the point where you have to commit. You know, it becomes a job. It, you you have to commit to like three hours a night on a schedule, <laughs> right, Tuesday, yeah. Thursday, Saturday. So anyway, finally kicked that a few months ago. Didn't play much of anything at all. Did you um, play the uh, the expansion pack too? Oh, yeah. yeah okay. Oh, definitely. Um, got, but then just, bef- just before Christmas, got the 360. Um, and, you know, could easily change. There's a lot of good games out there. But the, the one game that really grabbed me and I've had the most fun with so far has been uh, Guitar Hero 3. Love that game. A lot of fun. All right. Well, I guess that does it. It's on to the next segment, which is... Discussion. No, wait. It's the Retro (laughs) Respect. Retro Respect. (laughs) Which we'll be discussing.
All right, it's time for the retro respects section. What are we talking about this time? It's the King of Khan. Right, so this movie came out a while ago, but of course we haven't had a podcast for hmm, eight months. So we decided to talk about it because it really is, you know, kind of germane to what we talk about regularly, which is retro gaming. Classic arcade gaming. Right. So the King of Kong is, if you guys don't know, is a documentary and it stars uh, Steve Wiebe and Billy Mitchell. And it's directed by... Seth Gordon. All right, so a little background about watching this movie or when we went to watch it is um and we did see it in the theater we saw it together right in the theater together yeah and dave did a pole dance before the movie (laughs) (laughs) i was feeling a little loopy (laughs) a little loopy loopy. if you will so uh, we gotta explain that the theater actually has these poles keeping up the ceiling right yeah but they they, it's called mary's club but That's a different theater. <laughs> okay, sorry. I, yeah. There's some so kind the of support other beams we went, yeah. in the balcony. And we had pretty much the balcony to ourselves. And Dave noticed that these poles would be ideal for pole dancing. <laughs> Didn't you notice that? Uh, not until you demonstrated. Well, no, it was that's, a good, that's why good, I had a good, good, good demonstration. <laughs> Excellent demonstration. <laughs> All right, so uh, I'd heard about this movie for quite a while. And I remember many times at work, we'd watch the YouTube trailers for it. And we're like, oh, we got to go see this movie. Chris was the biggest promoter of yeah. this movie. Much and like Portal. That's and, <laughs> have you heard of the game Portal? You should play it. All right, so um, so I wasn't even sure if it was gonna play in Portland, but I knew there was a Seattle screening. Well, Woody and I went to PAX, yeah. and we were gonna watch it there, but we didn't. And luckily, when we came back, there was a screening that was uh, for Portland, or not screening, but it was actually there was for like a, a, was a week sh- showing, showing for, for a like week a, at Cinema Twenty One here in yeah. Portland. Got a group together at work, uh, called up Tom and Woody, and headed down to the theater. The interesting thing about it is a lot of people went from our work that aren't necessarily what, what I would call gamers, right? They're no. just, they just kind of wanted to come along and get drunk before the movie. <laughs> and Chris really did promote it hard. So. Right, I was trying to promote it because I want to get a good group of people to go. We'll talk about that later, the group that went. So what is this movie really about, Tom? Well, it's about Steve Wiebe and his attempt to set the world record in Donkey Kong. He's in Redmond, Washington, yeah. and uh, as the movie begins, he gets laid off from Boeing and he's going through, you know, maybe a rough time. And he remembered that he was good at Donkey Kong. And he wound up getting a Donkey Kong machine in his home. Right. And uh, I guess one day he was sitting at home and he discovered the Twin Galaxies site. And for you guys that don't know what Twin Galaxies is, that's the group that basically maintains world records for all these classic games. And even newer games. But it's kind of it was started way back in the way day. Way back in the day. In 83 yeah. or something like that. Yeah, it's run by a guy named Walter Day. Yeah. Um, Twin wow. Galaxies, I guess, used to be a, an actual arcade. Right, it was an actual arcade. That's what I was going to say. Back in the day, it was an actual arcade. And he noticed that nobody's keeping track of these world records. Why don't we call ourselves the world record headquarters? And uh, they started doing it. You know, the arcade fad kind of went away, but he continued to keep these records, you know, for many, many years until now. So right. I read somewhere he's been doing or he's had a website for 10 or 12, 15 years, even though the wow. internet's been around for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the website looks dated. Yeah, it, well, they kind of refactored the rebs- website was- recently and it no longer renders well in uh, Firefox, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Works great in IE, though. Good, great. Yeah. Okay, so Steve, I guess, looks up the Donkey Kong world record on the site, and he thinks that he could set a world record. Because I guess in college, it said, he, he mentioned during the movie that him and a couple of buddies used to play it all the time. They had a Donkey Kong machine in college, and they used to get high scores, and when he went to the website, he's like, I could totally beat that score. I could beat that. Yeah. So uh, he's got a lot of off time, and he decides, you know, dedicated, okay. has, a, has a new mission. Yep. But the existing world record was held by this guy, Billy Mitchell. 
So who's Billy Mitchell? So he, I guess Billy Mitchell is like commonly considered the greatest classic gamer of all time. And they mention that a lot in the movie. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah, he, he mentions it. Uh, Twin Galaxies mentions it. Rightly so in, in a lot of ways because Billy Mitchell was the first person to achieve a perfect score in Pac-Man, which is uh, 3,333,360. Now, what is a, a Pac-Man perfect score, Woody? Do you know? Uh, I assume you eat all the fruit. Well, yeah, that's part of it. <laughs> <laughs> all the fruit, all the dots, all the ghosts. How many yeah, you have yep. to get every ghost on every energizer, meaning, you know, four, eight, whatever, right, 16, right. Up, up there. Now, I thought at some level it became impossible. Yes. At it, some, it, the game ends. You know, well, it, 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 I don't know if it ends, but it no, runs it to a bug. No, it doesn't. It ends? Well, yeah, the it, game. You get to 256 screen, and then it's crap yeah it is it's garbage and so yeah. you can't play it any further right it actually i think it just freezes but maybe not i don't know but yeah right there is an ending to the game and to do it you have to get every ghost meaning on every energizer you eat every ghost you get every single fruit you get every single dot he's right. the first person to do that which is respectable you got to respect yeah. that that you <laughs> that's some skills <laughs> <laughs> so uh also back in uh, 1984 he was one of the guys chosen to be on uh as the video game players of the year. And I think they did that classic time magazine cover, which they uh, show in the movie. Um, and he was actually chosen for centipede. And it turned out that, um, he actually also held the donkey Kong world record. Although at that time they didn't know that he had the donkey Kong world record. He also held the world record for some time on burger time. He still holds the world record on donkey Kong jr. And he had held the donkey Kong world record for more than 20 years. And that's kind of when Steve Weeby said, I'm going to go for this world record. He had held it for over 20 years, so that's that's pretty pretty long. That sets uh, the stage. Yeah, yeah, all all these achievements are very impressive. Anyway, so he now he owns a hot sauce company, I guess, and some restaurants. The way that the movie shows him, though, and we'll get to this a little bit later, I think, is they really kind of play him up as thinking a lot of himself for one thing, You're right? Yeah. And, and maybe being the villain of the story for another thing, and so. Uh, you know, he kind of sees himself, at least the way the movie shows it, he sees himself as like the ultimate perfect game player. Yeah. You get to see a lot of Billy and you get to you see a lot of his statements as well as seeing Steve. He really doesn't come across really good. No, he comes across really as cocky and sort of arrogant. And a lot of his friends, it's just like everybody's attitude. Even his parents are in the movie and they have kind of that same attitude about him. He's like, he's he succeeds at everything. He always has a plan, blah, 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 you know, and... uh and he kind of sees himself now as this hot sauce mogul. So it's kind of he's taken the whole video game aspect and applied it to his hot sauce thing. And he, I mean, it's great to be confident, but he maybe, at least in the movie, I mean, I don't know him. So in the movie, he kind of goes off as being really cocky. So. But, but even as much as they portray it in the movie, and again, that might be exaggerated, um, you know, with editing and stuff, but even that, you know, he still didn't seem as bad as a lot of pro athletes today. Yeah, well, <laughs> so. there is that. Yeah, if you want to measure by that yardstick. Yeah, I guess <laughs> that's true. So, but, again, uh, Billy's got this record. Steve sees it. He got laid off from Boeing. He's going to go attempt to set this world record. So, kind of the movie focuses on what Steve goes through when attempting to set the world record. Like, what does it take to set a world record today? I never really thought about it. I just thought, like, yeah, you get a world record, you take a picture, you send it in, whatever. But they go through the process, like, the setting up the recording equipment, and then... You so have, first of all, we should explain yeah. for people who haven't seen the movie, uh, he has to, er, he's going to submit videotapes that show right. from start to finish him playing the game right. and getting that score, right. right? By the way, we don't want to give away any spoilers. This is just background. We're not going right. to tell you what actually happened, so right. you don't have to fast you gotta forward. you got to go see it. It's, worth, yeah, it's definitely worth yeah. seeing. But 
the focus of the movie is kind of on like his attempts to set this this world record and and all the, the thing, drama the drama he has to go through. <laughs> so basically, the way a lot of people do it, and um, we're gonna have an uh, interview with William Carlton later. I think he's gonna even go into more detail about the process of recording. Right. But a lot of times they'll use uh, videotapes, and they actually flash in the movie to Robert. Merzak? Merzak. Uh, his apartment, and he uh, it's just littered with these tapes that he reviews. That's basically what he does as a head referee. He doesn't, he doesn't get paid for that. No, it's all... It's yeah. what he does. Yeah. And so, during the movie, you kind of see some of the things that get considered when they detect whether a score is good or not. Like, was the tapes that are sent in, have they been doctored? Has a PCB been modified? There's all these hoops you have to jump through. It's no longer just taking a picture of your screen and saying, here's my score. It's all the stuff you have to do. So... I thought one of the most interesting aspects of the movie was the way that these other people who also played games in the 80s, they all think Billy's a god. At least that's the way it's shown in the movie. In the Yeah, the way it's shown in the movie, you know, fairly or not, it comes across almost like a little cult or something. Cult where, of personality. Where, yeah, a cult of personality around Billy. What's kind of interesting, too, is there's this place in New Hampshire called Fun Spot, and it's kind of seen as the world record headquarters you know, and uh, it's they, it's a classic arcade in New Hampshire. And in fact, one guy, Brian Koo, he he retired at a very early age. How old do you guys think he was? I have no idea. He looked like he was forty five ish, maybe. I, really? I would say he's more like thirty eight ish. Maybe. Probably. Yeah, maybe maybe around forty. Yeah, hard to say. Yeah, he retired and uh, bought a cabin near Fun Spot so he could go there each day to try to set a world record. That's dedication. That is dedication. <laughs> All right, so um. So Weeby, Weeby actually travels there during the movie to try to set the world record. And uh, throughout the movie, uh, Billy really comes off as being mean to Steve Weeby and not really wanting to uh, yeah. to talk to Furthermore, him Furthermore, Steve Weeby seems like the nicest guy in the world. Exactly. He does. Yeah. He really he does seems seem like nice. a really nice guy. You know, he's uh, he's reaching out to Billy, trying to, you know. And that's kind of what Steve wants to do. He wants to take him on head to head to prove that he can get the score that, you know, he says he can. And 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 to be honest, Billy actively avoids him. Now, whether yeah. that's film editing or not, it really didn't look like it. But well, certainly there's a point in the movie where Billy says, and I, I don't remember the exact quote, but he he does say something along the lines of, you know, head to head gaming when the pressure's on is what gaming's all about. But you never. But then through. when it comes down to it, he won't play head to head, or at least that's what it appears. Right. In the movie and we'll get to that later. Actually, he won't play head in our discussion segment, but. But, you know, I'm kind of sympathetic to him because when you're known or being, been famous for something, like most of your life, and, and that's, that's what, uh, that's a huge part of what makes your life good in many ways. And all of a sudden someone comes along to try and take that away from you. I mean, how many people could be gracious about that? You'd like to think you could be gracious, but. I think I would be Woody. I just think you're. <laughs> I don't think you would. I be. think you're a mean person. So, <laughs> that's what I think. All right. All right. Well, there you go. All right, so basically what it kind of boils down to, and like I say, we don't want to give away too much, is this really a movie with this theme of good attempting to overcome evil? That's kind of the way it's presented, I think. And uh, Steve being kind of the good side and Billy being the evil thing. And for, for the most part, I think Twin Galaxies itself, the whole process of getting a score registered is kind of seen as like the evil force that uh, Steve's trying well, to overcome. Well, it's suspect. Right. But, but, they, but, well, whatever. You have to see the movie. Yeah, I think. but it's 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 there's a lot of drama that ensues from a simple arcade game. Right. I mean, L- the amount of of things that happen trying to get a world record registered is is insane. And it's also a case where where truth is better than than something someone would make up. Right. It's 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 just a great story. Yeah. 
All right, so that's kind of the synopsis of the movie. Why don't we move on to this discussion segment where we're basically going to give some feedback on the movie. Uh, You want to start off, Tom? Um, Sure. I mean, to me, you were talking about the good versus evil. To me, it it definitely seemed like the filmmakers wanted to set up a hero versus a villain in order to tell the story. And from a storytelling point of view, I can certainly appreciate why they would want to do that. Um, you know, it makes for drama. It's it makes for a very interesting sort of showdown between these two figures. And to do that, they had to play up Billy as being the villain, and they had to play up Steve as being the good guy. And the the question is, is that really how things were? Is that is that the truth, or is it just a good story? I mean, there's certainly times when it seemed like they played sort of ominous sounding music when they showed Billy. Yeah. So they were definitely I think trying that, that to... that gets played whenever he, wherever he goes. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean, right? It's like they're trying to suggest very strongly to the audience how to interpret this. They're right. not saying, here's the facts, you make up your own mind. They're playing this music when they show Billy. And they're, and they're definitely showing him saying some things that come across as very rude. Um, now, of course, he did say those things, but I would question, like, if you followed us around with cameras and, you know, there's going to be times when we're acting like a jerk or something and then if you only showed that you know any, any one of us would probably seem pretty terrible right well woody would <laughs> no doubt <laughs> so so i think that you know certainly billy mitchell did say those things but we're not sure whether that's the whole story i don't know him i don't know what he's really like um i do know that the movie was certainly set up to make it seem like he was a really evil guy right and i'm not sure that that's necessarily fair all right, well, some of the feedback I have about the movie is, uh, like I mentioned earlier, when the group of us that went to see the movie, there were a lot of non-gamers in it. And what I thought was interesting is, I think they kind of went as sort of a joke. I, I got to say it. You know, they, <laughs> For they, a giggle? Yeah, they were like, oh, this is a video game movie. This is going to be so lame. But at the end of the movie, a lot of people were kind of on the edge of their seat, rooting yeah. and cheering. And yeah. I thought that was amazing that a movie that had such kind of a stupid premise, like when you step back and think about it. It's <laughs> Not like, stupid, Chris. It's well, video games. Well, I trivial, mean... Trivial, maybe. Trivial. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just saying a lot of people would look at it and go, well, what a dumb movie to make. You know, yeah, well, how video. could that be interesting? Why yeah, would I be so, interested in that? But by the end, I think it really grabbed people. And they were like, this is this is an awesome movie, you know, and it's classic good versus evil. And like a lot of it, like I say, could have been staged, but I just thought it was great how it applied to so many people, right? Not just video gamers. And Amy, when she saw the movie, she loved it, and, and she was kind of the same thing. She's like, "I'm not this. Why am I going to watch this movie? It's going to be boring, you know." <laughs> right. But um, but she she really enjoyed it. So the real question is, at least what I came up with it is like, is Twin Galaxies as corrupt as they seem? So I did a lot of research, like when this movie came out and stuff, and you know, Twin Galaxies has a forum. So I went there, and a lot of the people that are in the movie or surrounding the movie are in the forums, and they're like saying, "Imagine that." Yeah, exactly this is fake or that's fake or whatever, that it's inaccurate. I personally believe a lot of it may have been played up a bit or even a lot, but I think for the most part, the story is somewhat true. Like, I think there is truth in it, and I, but I think they may have really slanted it a bit more than they needed to. But I think overall, the things that they're, the basic story is somewhat true. Um, an example of what I would do to discredit, that people have made to discredit the movie, especially the people in that forums, is they say, Throughout the movie, they say, you know, Billy would never play Steve. You know, he, he won't play him head to head. 
Well, a lot of people in the forum say, well, that's not true because there's a tape that shows Billy playing Steve at the Classic Gaming Expo, or uh, was it uh, not Classic Gaming Expo, but um, in California, the one in California Extreme. Yeah. Okay. And so, uh, and and indeed, this tape does exist, showing them playing head to head right during this time frame. But there's interviews with Steve, who says, yeah, they taped that. It was about 30 seconds after the the camera crew went away. Uh, Billy got up and said, I don't like the joystick and walked off. So they never really played a game head to head. He just did it so they get the footage. Huh. Now, do you trust Steve or do you pl- trust all these other people? So, yes, a tape does exist, but they didn't really play each other head to head. They didn't finish the game. They didn't finish the game. Yeah. yeah. So I think that that kind of le- leads to having some credence to the film being somewhat true, you know. Hmm. Yeah. So anyway. Maybe we can get someone uh, from Twin Galaxies on as an as an interview subject. That'd be great. I'd, I'd love to talk yeah. to them about it. I mean, Walter Day seems like a, a great guy. I'd love to get him and talk. It'd be great to talk to any of those guys. Any of those guys would yeah. be great. Because yeah, we could be totally wrong, our interpretation. So, yeah. I'd love to hear from them. Yeah. So, what, what, did, what did you kind of think about the movie? Well, you know, I pretty much parrot everything you guys have said. But uh, I got this, this anecdote where I went to uh, get my hair cut. <laughs> and uh, my hairstylist. He got his uber mullet cut. I got my mullet. My, <laughs> my mullet. Um, I hate saying my hairstylist. I always feel weird about that. Like, why? Why? It, it seems like I. Well, I mean, I we a, got a mullet like yours. Do. You need a stylist, Dave. <laughs> so my hairstylist, unprovoked. He was getting it perm, by the way. Un- unprompted. <laughs> she goes, Have you seen this movie, King of Kong? Yeah. I said, Oh, yeah. Have I seen that movie? Yeah. <laughs> I And uh, it was amazing. She. I, I think it just goes to prove that this is a great movie. It appeals to everyone. She could not stop talking about it. Yeah. And, and, and going, I was like, she was like, Saying so and so, I had to like fill in all her names because she couldn't remember any of the yeah, names. Exactly. But I, Chris just drilled them into my head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Walter Day and blah blah blah. Yeah. But uh, it's uh, take take your uh, non gaming friends to see it, or your yeah. uh, spouses, or or significant others. So what do you got to say about it, Woody? Ah, uh, very interesting flick. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, one, th- you might wonder, like, how can I see this movie? Because it's not really playing anywhere any- anymore, is it? Is it, isn't it on DVD? Okay, so that's a good question, Dave. Amazon has a, a site up for it, and it says the title is going to be released on DVD on January 29th. So it's not that oh, far. Yeah. So you guys should definitely pre-order now and get this. I'm, I mean, I already have it on pre-order. It's coming. I saw it available on, well, it was uh, available in the search for Netflix. Okay. It hasn't shown up yet as yeah. available. Yeah, so I think January 29th is the release date. Uh, if you're a true video gamer, classic video gamer, you got to pick this up. You'll watch it many, many times, guaranteed. It's an awesome documentary. And it's good to support the filmmakers. Definitely. And It's uh, an awesome documentary, and it has Mr. Awesome in it. Right. Oh. <laughs> hey, Woody. Woody. Go get that door. Let's try Let's pull. Hey, uh, William. Let's try William. Go get the door, Woody. All right, on to the next segment, which is about High Score the Movie. Back to the second part of the retro respect section. In the last segment, we talked about the King of Kong, and where did Woody go, Tom? I don't know where he is, but we do have a special guest here, and it's our first in-studio interview on the podcast. That's right. It's uh, William Carlton from the High Score Movie. 
Uh, it's a documentary on his attempt to set the Missile Command world record. Welcome to the studio, William. Hey, thanks for having me here, fellas. <laughs> awesome. All right, so <laughs> before we get into the movie, uh, why don't we talk about how we met? Um, I met William because I sold a Commando arcade game on eBay. A very nice-looking cabinet, I might say. (laughs) (laughs) So William came over to my house one day, and we had the commando in the garage, and I was showing it to him. And while he was checking out, he said, you know, just kind of, I'm in a movie, and they're making a documentary about me trying to set the Missile Command world record. And I was like, really? I mean, I didn't didn't know how to take that. Pretty cool. (laughs) What, did you think he was joking? Kind of. I was like, I don't know. Maybe he is setting a world record. I was trying to get a discount on the game. Yeah. All right, so then I searched the web, and I saw that uh, there, I searched William Carlton after he left with the Commando game, and I saw that there was indeed a movie being made about him. It was called High Score, and it was an attempt to make the uh, Missile Command world record. High Score. <laughs> Remember that name. When, when was it filmed? Uh, we filmed it from uh, January 05 to December of 05. So then time passed again. I was at the Northwest Classic Gaming Expo, not to be confused with the Classic Gaming Expo that takes place in California. Yeah, yeah be careful there, right? Yeah, So, <laughs> and uh, I saw William there, and he happened to have a DVD on hand of his uh, documentary, and he gave me a copy, which was great. Took it to work, and I think we've watched it two times at work so far. Definitely twice. We, it's we a just great, watched it again. Yeah. yeah, and it's definitely a great movie. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. So, a couple initial questions before we get into the movie is, uh, how did you get back into classic gaming, if you, if you even ever left? Uh, well, fortunately, uh, there was this, um, uh, what is it, an auction that comes through, um, Super Auctions. Super Auctions, yeah. Yeah, sure, they come through the Midwest, and they have uh, decent prices for a lot of the games, and you, you, know, you get a chance to check them out in advance. So uh, it wasn't so much that I had the cash at the time, but I am a pretty good salesman. And a friend of mine who had a lot of cash and extra space out in his brand new house out at the lake, uh, I, I put a bug in his ear about this auction, and sure enough, we went to go uh, buy up a bunch of them. Well, years went by, I had moved on, and finally where I'm settled at now, I decided I'd get back into this once I saw one of them for sale in someone's, someone's driveway. And it kind of gave me a bug. And uh, it was after hanging out at Ground Control downtown um, at the classic game room that uh, you know made me feel like you know I, I got to get one or two, two of these back in my house. Those auctions never seem to come through Oregon, though. You notice that? No, the, uh, the they come to Southern California. Exactly. That's as close as they get. So, so was Missile Command the first game you got, or did you go through a bunch and settle on that as your favorite, or how did no, that work? No, you know, uh, I guess it was uh, what the. Uh, early 2000s uh, to get a missile command that looked decent or whatever was still pretty pricey compared to getting some uh, early 90s JAMA game and some okay cabinet you know for 150 bucks <laughs> and that's pretty much how it started out with some of the early games I got I know that one of the things that's touched on in the movie is that you attempted before setting trying to set the missile command world record you tried to set the asteroids world record yeah that that's what got my name I guess uh, initially going in the world of classic gaming um, I, I talked the game room into uh, uh, ground control downtown Portland I talked them into uh, letting me go for the uh, record and uh, they they were very helpful in approaching it very serious and we kind of started this thing where uh, you know, two weeks before I do the attempt, I would be able to come in. They'd lock me in overnight, and I could play overnight to get used to playing for a day. And then uh, also one week before the event, I would do it again. And then finally on the third week, I would schedule my extra time off work and hopefully do it on a three-day weekend and, um, you know, make my attempt then. Now, now, how long did you anticipate having to play the game in order to make the record? 
Uh, with asteroids? With asteroids, yeah. Really? I, I, I mean, I was going for it, sure, but I, I couldn't picture making it. The speed at which I get points versus the world record put it at, you know, 70-something hours. Okay. You know, um, but uh, Missile Command, I have it figured where I can beat it between 53 to 56 hours if I can figure it out. Okay. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Now, 70-some hours, you know, the, the common question we got at work, you know, not everybody at our work is a video gamer, but the question everybody always had was, how do you pee? That seemed to be the number one question. And, you know, I, I, I like that question, and I also I get it a lot after... Uh, <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> after, uh, after the film shows at a film festival, um, providing it's one uh, that, that I'm attending, I'll uh, do the Q&A afterwards, and uh, it's really a good time. Uh, the people ask uh, questions, and you know, I'm a regular down-to-earth guy. I'm not a movie star. I just happen to star in a film. But here I am. I'm ready to talk. And it's about the world of video gaming. They're ready to talk and ask questions. You know, they feel yeah. comfortable. Yeah. I feel comfortable. Here we go. Uh, the question I get quite a bit is, what about the potty breaks? Yeah. <laughs> and the answer is, unlike a game like Star Wars, where Star Wars, you may have six shields. But if you walk away from that game 18 seconds later, that game's over. Okay, with Asteroids... I build up hundreds of extra ships. With Missile Command, I build up hundreds of extra cities. I know how long it takes to lose X amount of cities versus time to go do the necessities. So 72 hours, I mean, at some point, I mean, how do you sleep, too? Do you take breaks to sleep or what? Well, you know, fortunately, I haven't had to suffer through doing it because uh, (laughs) the the asteroids broke. So we we can't find one that will hold up to it. But would you would you drink a lot of coffee or something to help you help you stay awake, or what would you do? No, no, zero coffee. If anything, I I I would start coffee probably just before the thing ends. You know, if I ever made it Mm. that far. But uh, no, I got to keep it healthy. It's got to be milk and juice, and it's got to be fruit, and um, you know. Can't be, can't be beers, you know. <laughs> so that's what would happen if I tried to set the world record. I, mean, I, would, I would focus on the beer. You see, it's actually harder than people think it is. But it's definitely something you have to plan for, and, yeah. and it's, it's a strategy to, to go seventy hours playing a video game. Right. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. like I said, fortunately, yeah. I haven't done it. So really, uh, we haven't proven that I can't handle it because of the equipment. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the high score movie. That's actually the documentary that was was made about you. Can you give us a brief description? I mean, we kind of talked about that it's a Missile Command world record, but kind of how did it come about and how did you get involved in the project? The way I got involved with it was uh, Jeremy Mack of Mack Attack Productions, uh, an NYU film grad. Um, he decided he wanted to do uh, a documentary um, on on things that are different uh, in the world of making documentaries or you know films and. And uh, he heard about me because of the uh, asteroids attempt. And uh, when he contacted me, I said, well, it's odd that you're contacting me now because in a few months I plan on going for the world record on Missile Command. And then he was very excited. He talked about flying out. And, you know, at first, you know, someone says, hey, I want to I finance making right. a documentary about you and your, your hobbies that are 20 years out of date. You know, you're ready to roll <laughs> your eyes. You know, but, yeah, uh, definitely. but uh, you know, he, uh, he did. He flew out. And uh, we met up, and we got it started. And then, sure enough, when he flew out again a second time, uh, it was during actually one of my attempts. And uh, that's that, that's how it uh, it got started. And, and I'm so glad I met this guy. He's he's really he's a great guy, Jeremy uh, Jeremy Mack. So you mentioned earlier that um, asteroids broke on you when you were doing the attempt. And a common theme throughout the movie is that Missile Command also has a problem always potentially resetting, you know, mm-hmm. while you're playing it. So 
a lot of times when I heard about people setting these world records, I always thought it was, you know, are you good enough to play the game or is it endurance play or what is it? I never even thought that, you know, hey, it's the machine that's going to be the biggest factor in if I can set this world record. Right. I found that too. I, I watched the movie and thought I, that had never occurred to me. Right. That, exactly. that, that there would be technical problems that would prevent you from, you know, potentially setting the record. So uh, one question that a lot of people had at our work is that, you know, is a hardware just unreliable? Is there any way that... Um, is it even possible to make a high score these yeah. days? Cause so when you compare the factors of the human skill factor and the human endurance to the hardware factor of the, you know, increasingly unreliable hardware as the hardware ages, you know, where does the proportion of that break down? Oh, hey, I've unfortunately suffered through that equation. <laughs> uh, you know, it... it, it, it it is hard when you have a piece of equipment that's 27 years old, and yeah, you you do have to use the original equipment, uh, or, or you know very close to, especially the uh, original ROM set and the original programs. But uh, there are there are other issues um, that you know. Unfortunately, we hear these stories of these young Asian guys that are sitting in a coffee um, cyber shop playing these games, and after 31 or 35 hours, they die. Yeah. But really, what in my opinion, what does it? is their diet. They're not planned for it. I don't plan on being one of those statistics. You're not going to get, you know, I'm in the gym. I'm on the treadmill six weeks before this thing goes down, which is the thing that gets me in the gym. You know, I'll be honest. It's not like I always want to be in there, yeah. but six weeks before I start this attempt, I'm back on a treadmill about five or six weeks before. I mean, about five, then, then four weeks comes down. I'm even more, um, uh, trained on my diet. And, uh, it seems like it can be both ways, the answer to your question. It can be the person, it can be the machine. And I don't want it to be me. Right. I want it to be that machine or I get the world record. Yeah. I think I thought that was a pretty interesting part in the movie too is the way you were training for it. And a lot of people that were watching, I know, were saying like, you know, it's just like any other, like an Olympic type event where he's training ahead of time to make sure he's ready to endure this, this long period to set this world record. And I thought that was really interesting as well. When we talk about the hardware... Um, I was wondering, how much are you allowed to repair or fix or tweak the piece of hardware before you've created an illegal system that wouldn't be valid for the record? Exactly. That's a good question. Okay, yeah. You know, uh, one thing is unfortunate with, uh, let's say, with Asteroids, is that um, when you're playing Player One, until all your extra ships on the screen get to about number 59, you can see those. Yeah. But you cannot see beyond those. And word has it, and it's been proven uh, supposedly because I've chatted with all these big wigs around the world. Now, fortunately, they, they send me emails. But uh, if you get over 256 ships, it will rotate it back to zero, meaning as you would turn over 10,000, oh, wow. <laughs> okay? Yeah. As you would turn over 10,000 and get that 256 ship, you would you then would have none. And, and lose? No, you would have the one ship you're playing oh, with, okay. but you would have a full 10,000 to go before you even have one more in storage. So if you got hit whatsoever, game over. So, right, Tom, why right. do you think the number is 256? <laughs> <laughs> okay, one thing you're not allowed to do is to figure out how to wire in to the system and tweak some kind of counter off to the side of the machine, even out of the view of the camera. That would be cheating. Yeah. Huh. So what if you, like, for example, change the power supply or maybe change a monitor on an asteroid, something like that? Well, you know, most, most power supplies that were running those things back in 1980, they're still not around anyway. So yeah. the power supply, that's... That's neither here nor there. I mean, you could you could create some funky wiring system through the yep. whole room, bringing your five volts right. in and your twelve exactly, volts. Yeah. Out. Wouldn't matter. But that board, the board better just be just the board has to be legit. And the ROMs that are on it. Okay. Yep. The rounds. The ROMs. 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 Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The potato chips. <laughs> 
So is there any possibility that using some kind of emulation system like MAME would ever be valid for a record? They do, they do now take uh, MAME. So if you want to do MAME Missile Command, which is pretty tough when, you know, really the, yeah, the computer is right. going to read it like a, a left up, left up, left up. It's not going to go perfect <laughs> yeah. diagonal like a right. video right. game can handle it. But um, yes, no, they are, they are tracking And would that be considered store. a separate record? It's a separate from record. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. Sure, but they do have that category now. You thinking about setting one, Tom? No, not me. <laughs> I don't have the skill. <laughs> yeah, I've got a modified Xbox, and I've considered, uh, because they let you know what ROM set, and you can match it up with the ROM set you have yeah. on your modified. And if it's the right. same one, video, videotape yourself and send it in. So, what, what are the rules about submission? What, what do you have? What, what, what kind of format does this videotape have to be? What, what would they, what yeah, do they require? You use like a VHS tape in there, and what we had discussed, you know, or you attempted to use VHS, you know, and switch between those as they ran out. We were like, why doesn't he just use a computer to record? Is that not a valid form of submission? Um, no, no, that is, and that's the way um, that kid, uh, what was it, just two years ago when Star Wars came out, he tried for the world record on um, on Star Wars. Okay. And uh, he did it uh, digitally, yeah, and they, they ran it through the computer and saved it all that way. Uh, mm -hmm. No, what I do is I run eight-hour tapes on two VCRs. It's running through, and then um, as I get about 10 or 20 minutes from one of the tapes ending, I stick in another. So really, I get like 105% of okay. everything. Now, you do that so you have overlap between the tapes, or do you, sure. do, oh, is that, or do, you do it because you want redundancy between I, I, I just, yeah, I both. want them to be able to stick it in and see that it still matches up and as this one okay. continues to play when they put in the next tape everything matches up 100%. Okay. So that's something they require or is that something you're doing to make sure uh, there's no questions? Well, you know, you know, when most people are going for a world record on a video game yeah. almost all of the time it's something that's going to be 45 minutes or less. Okay. Yeah. So they don't run into these. This is, these are really weird issues me and, me and a few handful of people run into. <laughs> you know. right. But the, the way I do it is uh, with VHSC going to uh, two VCRs. Okay. And I have everything backed up with a, a, a UPS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a definitely a good idea. So, so for, for me, a big issue was after seeing the movie, I didn't really feel like after seeing the movie, I understood any better what the advanced strategies of Missile Command really are. And I wondered why that wasn't talked about more in the movie. Was it because there are things you want to keep secret? Or is it just too hard to explain? Or is it something where the filmmaker thought that the audience wouldn't care? Or, you know, how does that, how did that, I was going to say, you also, in the movie, did mention the losing city strategy. Yeah, there are different strategies and uh, different ways to play the game um, during different segments of how uh, it reacts. There's a point in the game at every 810,000 where it awards you 147 extra cities. Now, those of you who have played Missile Command your whole life and think that you may know something in depth about it are saying, oh, it gives you 200 cities at, at 810,000, or it gives, you, it gives you 180. I'm telling you, I ended the game one day at 810,000 perfectly, and I didn't touch the machine, and I waited and counted out all the cities. <laughs> 147 is what you get as a bonus. <laughs> all right, well, at another point in the game, after you complete 256 boards, right. The difficulty level starts over. The difficulty level does, but it's still the same game. You keep your score, but the difficulty level goes back to one times as if the game is starting over because it's starting over its 256 boards that it has. On boards 255 and 256, some very different and kooky things happen. Hmm. All right. Instead of everything being the value of six times bonus, everything is times 256 times bonus. Wow. So if you play the second to last and the last board your best, the difference between you letting it go completely can be 550,000 and total 
you can get, if you play both boards great, is about 850,000 points in two boards. Now, the kooky thing is, the second board, you really can't play. It starts up as if you're going to play, but then all of your cities are immediately brought up to give you a score, and all of the 30 bullets, or 30 missiles, 10 in each base, immediately pop up on the screen with your score that you're awarded. The problem is this, and this is research that went on, to answer, answer your question, this is research that went on even after we stopped filming the movie or else hmm. we would have shared this. Okay. This is when we found out that it wasn't hardware. It, had, it was no problem with that board that I got from Eldorado Games. The problem is software and how it was written back in 1980. The problem is, and you may notice, both times the game ends on me, the yellow board was in the background. You could see that I was playing a screen that had a yellow background. Well, when it runs out at board 256, that happens to be the second yellow screen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Recently, to that point, I had passed an 810,000. It kicked it into a relay state when I had over 256 cities in storage and I couldn't help it. So, again, that number 256. So, this is why you might purposely lose cities. It's to try to prevent that state. No, the reason I purposely lose cities, or at least the reason I said so in the movie, is that I was coming up to another 810,000. And what I would prefer to do is to see myself drop to five cities or less just before 810,000. Fight my way back up there, and when I get to 810, I definitely get my 147 cities again. See, there's also a catch. If you have, when you get to 810,000, some magic number, which we don't know what it is, let's say you still have 40 cities in, in storage. It won't give you the 147. But let's say it's 60 cities. You don't know. There's no counter. It doesn't give you your bonus. And let's say if you have 55 cities or less, it does give you. We don't know. Here it is 27 <laughs> years later. These are things we can't get proven to us. Huh. Okay? Very interesting. It's, it's kooky. Right. So I do have a strategy to get around the software issue. And I know the movie leaves you with the impression that it was a hardware issue. My plan of attack is the second to last board, which is the last one I can play, always let it go. It's yeah. a difference between getting 30 cities or getting 80 more. And by not getting that 50 every time it comes around, which is about in every hour and 50 minutes, then it'll be 50 less cities I'll have in there that I have to worry about at the wrong time if an 810 crosses by. And I'm going to attempt that in March this year when I go for the record again in Tualatin, Oregon at home. Nice. <laughs> that is awesome. awesome. Yep, so I'm that's a great time to go to the bathroom, too. Well, you're <laughs> <laughs> right. So the number 256, why is that important, Dave? Well, because it's... It's a power of two. It's a power of two in uh, a bite. It's is a bite. It's a bite. A, a, the size of... The largest number a bite can hold is Right, so it seems like bad things happen on these old games, obviously, because there's memory so, turns, and it's exceeding a bite, right? As a software engineer, I would call that a bug, right? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but, but since, but since all, this is, all these records are about doing it on the original hardware, the original ROMs, original everything... You, you, you're part, that bug is part of the game. Right, it's you have to of, work around it. You have to work around it, or use. Or it's perfectly cool to use it to your advantage. Sure, on that note, we yeah. did work around it in one fashion, and we got permission. We found yeah. the reset chip, and we got the leg of that chip, pried it up out of the uh, board, and we tied it to ground. Oh, nice. Oh, really? <laughs> to keep really? It, yes, to keep, to it, keep from it from resetting. resetting. For other reasons, right. But not for the reason of too many cities when the bonuses pass each other at a weird time. Now, is that oh. legal? Yes, it was they, they legal. Approved, yes. Yeah, okay. yeah, they approved it. It's just like just to, to prevent it from resetting sporadically. Exactly. Okay, it's not... Okay. You're right. They yeah. realize, you know, I'm, I'm 
I'm really putting forth a lot of effort and getting planned out in advance. They're, they're going to allow certain things. Yeah. Here's, yeah. here's another question that occurs to me from a software standpoint is, is, is source code to these games, does it even still exist? Would it be legal to study it and use that as planning your strategy? Well, you can I, always disassemble, Tom. Yeah, I've already is had there, two guys do that. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's okay. all assembly, so. Sure. Yeah, and they, they email me in different parts of the country. They they they, <laughs> they grab a hold of the, the, the ROMs and they, they, they I don't know what yeah. you do, you download the code yeah, and exactly. then they contact me and uh, yeah. they hit me to the to the point that I was pretty sure what it was, but they they, they confirmed it really. Hmm. So everyone's fighting for you. That's great. You know, I have a lot of support with this, <laughs> I'm telling you. This is an awesome movie and we really enjoyed it. Like I say, people watched it twice at work, probably watch it again. Because we just love watching yeah, video Yeah, it really is a lot of fun. So how do people see it? Yeah, you know, I, I'm sorry to hold everybody off for so long. I mean, I get that question a lot. And uh, unless you catch it at a film festival, uh, let's have a look. In Canada, they showed it on TV during a segment of this uh, television show called Wild Docs. And I guess uh, our film qualified as Wild Docs. Wild so, Docs. So that's good. Uh, so, so that was probably the biggest viewership in one night ever, but that was in Canada. Um, it did show in Israel and it did show in Brazil. Um, if, uh, if you just bear with us for now, we may pick up distributorship in the next seven or eight months. Uh, but you can keep checking back at www.highscoremovie.com and hopefully, uh, you know, eventually there'll be a link of where to purchase the film. And there's a trailer for the movie there as well, right? Oh yeah, there's a trailer. But you know, if you check the trailer on YouTube, it's the original one. The one on okay. the website is a second. So there's actually been two trailers for the wow. thing. Ooh. No, another thing that I noticed on the website when I was there earlier today is that it won a couple of awards. You talk about those at all? Sure. Hey man, it was unbelievable. The first time uh, we ever went to a film festival actually was the biggest one that we were ever a part of, and it was. Um, in Austin, Texas, and this is uh, March of 06. Like I said, we filmed you know January to December of 05. Here it is, March of 06, and we're at the uh, South by Southwest Film Festival. Oh, yeah. And I thought I'd heard of it before, but I had no idea actually how big that film festival was. And the category that they put our film in was Emerging Artists or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was the first year of that, that category. And we were up against some big names because I, I think uh, you know, Andy Dick had one in there. Wow. And he had some big name friends that you all definitely know the names of in this thing with him. Wow. And that was one of the 13 we were up against. So you can bet when we took first place, it was a shocker. That's pretty cool. That's wow. not an emerging artist. That's uh, Andy Dick and uh, maybe, buddies. <laughs> but maybe as a director. Maybe the director yeah. was. Yeah, right. sure. And still... You know, yeah, we uh, that's cool. We we beat them, yeah. That's great. And that's then, a, um, but yeah. at the next one, it didn't. It didn't win. No big deal. It was like the least hyped movie in advance, which we didn't understand why. But the very third one that it went to was the Brooklyn Underground Film Festival, where it won again. What, what's it like going to your own movie? Well, you know, <laughs> you can imagine that when someone comes along and makes a documentary about you and your goofy habits or hobbies and things like this, you know, uh, what you're really into, and uh, makes it so good. Uh, it's really, really different um, the first time. So what we did eventually was is we would position ourselves, uh, my girlfriend and I, Allison, we would position ourselves in, somewhere near the middle of the uh, cinema, and I'd wear a hat, and we'd just wait and let the crowd come in around us. And as they would ooh, and they would ah, and you'd hear people laugh, and, and, and people nudging <laughs> each other and saying things, and you could just feel the mood through the room. And, of course, at the end... Well, we'll save that, but you guys know at the end how everybody feels. It's an unbelievable experience to uh, get to go and relive that every time. I wish I I, I had the time and the money to fly everywhere it was showing at every (laughs) sentence with every showing. I think I'd have to do that if they made a documentary about me. It does seem to be a movie that people really respond to and people really, you know, they really get into it and like it and... and, uh, 
Thank you. It's, it's <laughs> and really I, I also the quality of the film is phenomenal. Very good quality. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the filmmaker? Yeah, um, Jeremy Mack. Uh, he, he was, uh, I think, from uh, San Antonio, but then he moved up to uh, New York to go to NYU Film School, where he graduated. And the kid does have a natural. Uh, I, I I say kid, yeah. But the young man, <laughs> the young man does uh, have a knack for filmmaking. And um, I was actually uh, his first major event and release to to, to attempt to uh, you know put a, put a film out there at film festivals. But he had actually done one earlier, and he let me see it, and it was called. Ready, set, mow, and nice. it was it was all about guys that race lawnmowers. <laughs> oh. Now notice once again, I've, I've it, actually seen that. It's a documentary. <laughs> I haven't seen the movie, but I've seen lawnmower racing. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. Well, well, you know, you've participated, haven't you, Tom? No, I haven't participated. Oh, okay, <laughs> I can picture it. <laughs> no, uh, but as you see, once again, it's people with their odd hobbies that yeah. he went after at yeah. first. So for him to come and you know track me down and do the film that he did. Um, and I think the timing is really good too because now that he's put out this and it's done so well in, in the uh, classic gaming circles you can mm-hmm. see they're making more and more classic gaming documentaries now was this one done before or after King of Kong oh a year before it was done a year before oh King more Kong. than a year before okay. yeah um, to where every time I, my film had ever showed with other films mine was always the headliner but yeah. after 15 months had gone by and it had played out um, at the California Extreme in August down in um, San Jose, yeah, San Jose. Um, they actually opened the three films with my film, which is the first time it was ever just the opener, yeah. you know. But yeah. what it was opening for was The King of Kong, and it was about yeah. a week before they released it, so I got to see it that night. Yeah. That's so awesome. let's talk about King of Kong a little bit. Because um, you know some of the people in Twin so Galaxies, didn't right? You, weren't you with Walter Day at yeah. the California Extreme? Uh, sure, yeah, we got to sit together. I mean, nice. we didn't fly yeah. there together, but we, we sat together pretty much a good part of the time uh, during the Q&A and all that. So uh, in the movie King of Kong, uh, Billy comes off as a sort of a really bad guy of, of what you know about him. Do you know Billy or do you know? No, I, I haven't uh, met Billy. I've met a, a whole bunch of the other guys that you hear about and see in the film. Um, but, uh, but no, not Billy yet. I, I do hope to meet him or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, you, you can't believe everything you see in a film. Um, they, uh, from, from what I hear, and even though I saw it a week before it was released to the cinemas, from what I hear, it had been through at least four or five you know, film showings before that. And at each point, it was re-edited a little bit stronger and a little bit stronger, making Billy the bad guy. So mm. remember, it is a movie. Because it makes right. the movie play better. If exactly. Was, yeah, if they so give you, you an enemy. Yeah, from a storytelling point of view, you kind of want to have a hero and a villain. and you, know, right. you, you can tell that they're playing that up to right. some extent. Right, and you know, I kind of, I kind of feel for the guy because you know, I've only had to do this for a short while, and when I do meet people, and you know, and it's very seldom for me. It's every two or three months. I go somewhere where there's a gaming something, and there's people that know me before I get there. But in my regular life, it's not like that whatsoever. Of course, you can relate. Well, if Billy Mitchell for 20 years he's been pulling this off and do this, yeah. and and if the guy decides one time to to catch an attitude with somebody or say something, right. why is it such a major deal when everybody that's a regular Joe can be the biggest a hole they want all the time? Right. Personally, <laughs> from, from what I've seen of the guy and what I've known of him for years, I, I like Billy Mitchell and I do look forward to meeting him. Yeah. So a lot of the in the King of Kong. The Twin Galaxies folk kind of come off as protecting Billy and going through, making uh, Weeby go through all these hoops just to get his score. Is that, you know, you're doing the same recording. You've talked to the people you know what the process is. Is that true? Do they make you jump through all these hoops? Or what's kind of the... What's your take on that? Yeah, well, um, you know, uh, I, I really uh, would like to meet Steve Weeby also. Fortunately, yeah. he's yeah. only about three hours from my house. I'm, yeah. I'm hoping to work that out. Um, 
and I hope I hope he. I, I, what I really like is how he beats Billy's record by a, a thousand points, and then Billy comes back yep. and beats his record by. A th- I love that. Yeah, I'm telling you, man, and I, I dig both these guys. I, yeah. I ain't got an attitude against either one of them. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, they're promoting classic arcade gaming, you know. And yeah. um, in the movie, Twin Galaxies comes out as they came across as someone who aren't really playing. Given uh, yeah, we do oh, fair okay. shot. I'm sorry. All right, yeah. yeah. So and, what do you what do you think? You know okay. what the process is, sure. Yeah. Um, and you know how Steve is, uh, you know, struggling and striving along the way. Yeah. And, and as you know from my story, it's been the same thing. Well, not. It wasn't just right off the bat. Here's this guy they don't know all these years coming forward saying, "Oh, I've got the world record on asteroids," which I didn't get. I got something that was either fifth or sixth or fourteenth or whatever at the time. And then they slowly got to know who I was, and they saw these other things I can do. Now that I have an established uh, a reputation with them, I could send them a videotape of me playing a game that you know they don't know that I'm great at, and they would accept it. But at first, Steve uh, was doing it on videotape when um, had he. A- approach them, let's say, at a uh, uh, one of their gaming expos where Walter is at or one of the officiators at, and actually done it right there in front of them, even from the get-go, he'd have been in with them, you know, like cement, no problem. But the first time being on videotape, and, you know, it's, it's a little bit harder. For me, fortunately, I was doing it in a game room that was credible, and it's the biggest 80s arcade game room on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. You know, Steve is going to have a hard time at first, and uh, deservedly so. These records have been held by some people for 20 years. We're well, not looking for somebody just to be playing some games and get around, you know, uh, these actual records. So it's kind of funny. There might be a connection between the two movies because is it what's his name, Mister Awesome, or what's what's that dude's name? Oh, I got no idea who you're talking. You about. know who I'm talking about. <laughs> what's his name, Mister? Um, yeah, Mister Awesome, right? Yeah, Mr. Awesome. Um, yeah. That's one of the biggest contested. Sco- it, it, it was one of the biggest contested scores in uh, gaming history, at least from the arguments and the stories I saw for years back and forth. And I got to be honest. I was wrong. I was one of the ones that stood on the side of, I bet this guy didn't get 1.6 something million in tournament mode missile command. Now, for those of you that don't know, tournament mode missile command is different from what I play. I play marathon mode missile command. That's where I go for days and days and days and I play because I get extra cities. But in tournament mode missile command, which they do track, you only get the original six cities that you start with. You can never earn an extra. Presently, I'm number two in the world. The guy who's number Ooh. one in the world, <laughs> the guy who's number one in the world, has 1.9 million, yeah. and this is where one of the biggest gaming arguments going on, you guys, and a lot of it <laughs> does revolve around Mr. Awesome. <laughs> His video was awesome, though. I see where he gets his name. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, and Mr. Awesome is a gentleman who lives in LA, and. It, Look, tell us a little bit more about Mr. Awesome. <laughs> uh, Mr. Awesome, I, I, I believe, uh, I mean, for 20 years, the guy did hold the uh, world record in tournament um, tournament mode missile command. And uh, he, he, he was a great player, and uh, I think he is still pretty good. And I do believe that in tournament style play, or in tournament mode play, he can beat me. But um, he refuses to play to the settings that Twin Galaxies wants to have as the established record to, to go by. And it, the only difference is one dip switch. That's it. And uh, I happen to play with a dip switch clicked one certain way. He plays with this one dip switch clicked a, a different certain way. That's it. And it does affect the speed of the X on the screen for your ball, for your uh, uh, directional. Okay, so I understand that these are two different settings. I'm fine with it. If yeah. everything was left up to me, we would all be on the list together. But I'm not an officiator. Yeah. I'm nobody of importance when it comes to saying what's a, what's a world record, what's not. You know, I'm not even, 
you know, an official with my own. You know, whatever they say, all right, that's what I go with. Fine. And uh, unfortunately, um, I believe that it would have probably gone the way of the dip switch being in either direction had Mr. Awesome been someone easier to deal with. (laughs) In life, politics play a lot of... Right. Are, are now, important they should be. Now, fortunately for me, and, and I'm I'm the most recent in going for any of these records in marathon mode on Missile Command, and I do it with the, the dip switch clicked in the mode that I, I play in. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and when I did my uh, attempt at the tournament mode, I also played with the same setting, which actually makes it slightly, but not much, easier. I mean... You wouldn't know because three minutes into the game, your game would be over whether the dip switch was up or down. No, right? I can play more than three minutes. Okay, well, you're... you're, you're <laughs> I'm just saying. You're one saying in a hundred. I'm just saying. You're one, you're one in uh, 10,000. Yeah, okay. Well, there you go. And uh, <laughs> I can get past the uh, third elevator in Donkey Kong, too. <laughs> I can. I'm just saying. I can. The average player. The average player can, but I can, dude. I'd like to take you on in Donkey Kong. I think you could, I could take you down. I'm, I, I'm sure you could. I can make it about four boards in, and I'm, yeah. I'm done. See, I told you. <laughs> So so let's get back to the the setting. Okay, so it, it actually makes it. You're saying it makes it harder, the way you play it, or makes it easier? It makes it slightly easier. Makes it slightly easier. Yeah, when I roll the ball, um, the X will go across the screen with so much of a roll of the ball. But with the dip switch clicked in the other direction, the preferred way, way according to Twins Galaxies. Well, the preferred way according to Mr. Awesome. Oh, Mr. Awesome, awesome plays it the harder way. It takes the roll of the ball plus about another half of a roll of a ball to get the X the same amount across the screen. Yeah, awesome. So it is harder, but the guy's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> he is awesome. <laughs> he is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, his name's Roy. Yeah, Roy Schilt, right? Is that it? Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right, so you um, guys know too much information. <laughs> we have seen the movie a few times. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, one thing that we didn't touch on in the introduction that I kind of feel bad, so I'd like to touch on it now, is how did you even get into setting world records? Ah, oh, that's a good question. <laughs> a- after I had found um, Ground Control and um, www.groundcontrolwithak.com. I've been there. Okay. I, uh, I was hanging We've out there and... There, right? we've all been there alright good deal I I, I started going there and uh, this is the part of the movie where I said for me it was 15 years later where I went back and found these games and started finally setting records that I wanted to set when I was younger Ground Control turned out to be the place I was at as I was accomplishing these things in my mid-30s that I wasn't able to do when I was 12, 13, and 14 you know but you had wanted to do it all along? well uh, yes I had wanted to do it all along but one day and this is in early 2003 somebody told me about Twin Galaxies and that there were these guys on the web that for 20 years have been tracking these scores. I'm like, wow, that's really hard because the web's been around for like 10 years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly. They did it on Gopher. Yeah, I but they, right, that, yeah. right. And I, I was... <laughs> I thought you were going to say like stone tablets or something. Yeah, well, that too. <laughs> no, and then uh, I did a little bit of research on them and uh, I was really impressed with Robert Merzak and really impressed with uh, Walter Day and so thankful now that I've seen it all, what Walter had, had, had started for all of us and kept going all these years. Yeah. And um, it really, it was the incentive of knowing that they existed that gave, that gave me the incentive. And by the end of 2003, I was in, I was on, in the books. What was your first record? Uh, Asteroids. And at first, it, it, was, it was kind of a bummer later because uh, at first they hadn't updated like eight or nine scores throughout the years until I had come and, and revamped the, uh, the interest in it. Because 
thousands and thousands and thousands of hits were going to forms and things that on other games, you know, they just weren't getting hundreds of hits. And uh, what they did was at first they placed me at fifth place. But then as they went back and did all this other research and watched all these other tapes and contacted all these other people, by the time the dust settled, I was in 14th of all time. Wow. And I'm happy. Yeah. I'm not complaining. Hey, I don't care. You know how many people get to do that? Well, only 13 others. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't you in the book, the Twin Galaxies book? Sure. I wish I'd have brought that with me tonight. So, <laughs> so they produce a book, Twin Galaxies, right. um, that you can purchase, I it's think, on the It's mentioned in the, the uh, movie, isn't it? Or, yeah. Okay. Yeah. In, King, in Kong. King Kong. In the King of Kong? Sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, when you go to TwinGalaxies.com, they definitely have enough links bringing you to, to that to book. The book. Yeah, please yeah. buy our book. Yeah, and I'm in it. I love it. I couldn't believe it. Uh, they took 256 yeah. of the most notable names of the last 20-something years, and they did a, a page write-up on them, and sure enough, I was one of them. That's and, great. That's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> it is. And they leave, they leave a little line under your name for you to autograph other people's book, and they're going to have a contest. Like in five or six years from now, they're supposed to meet up with their books. And whoever got the most signatures of the 256 people <laughs> wins whatever the, right. the prize is. So on our podcast, we talk about a lot of classic games, but we also talk about modern games. Do you play any modern games? I have a modified Xbox. Modified Xbox. Yes. What, do you, what do you play on that? And what, why is it modified? Um, <laughs> really, I, I don't do so much of the uh, you know putting movies on it or yeah. collecting up too many games. Yeah. Really what I use it for is the arcade folder. Uh, I think it's got about 4,700 games in it, nice. and uh, really, I'll use that as research when I get on eBay and I see a board going for 20 or 30 bucks, and I decide, hey, you know, I don't remember this from 1984. Let me pull it up on the Xbox and play it. Yeah, no, this sucks, and I don't bid on so it. So you use it for all the emulation, then? Yes, and for yeah. research, yeah, really yeah. for me. Yeah, you know, Tom plays Warcraft all the time. You know, no, I used to. I don't play Warcraft. I'm sorry. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> I do play a lot of Xbox 360 games, though. That's true. All right. So are you Woody, atten- Woody I think still plays Warcraft. What is that? Some kind of PC game or something? Oh. <laughs> That's a separate book. <laughs> so are you planning on attempting to set any future world records? Uh yeah, um March I'm going to do uh March of 08. I'm going to do Missile Command and for the first time I'm going to do a marathon attempt uh at, with the comforts of home. And um I'm going to use the uh, new strategy that we've worked out uh, and hopefully uh, bypass that resetting. And are there any other uh, places that you're going to be interviewed or shows you're going to be on that you want to mention or plug? Oh, you know, there's always something going on. I think, uh, what is today, Thursday? Next Thursday, uh, oh, no, what's today, Monday? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, just this, uh, just this week coming up, uh, next Thursday, I, um, where uh, I have my missile command at uh, the bar down at uh, First Street in Newburgh. Um, we're going to be filming for Game Tap. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, right. they're, they're, they're flying up a crew from Atlanta, uh, I guess, because they're, um, what is it, Turner Broadcasting, they're owned by them. Right, yeah. And they're do- what they're doing is the um, five-minute mini-documentary of Missile Command. And it turns out, if you're going to make that, there's like one, two people you need to speak to, and I, <laughs> I, I'm one of them. So uh, I asked them if they prefer I leave the game at the bar rather than doing it at my house, because it's getting close to time for me to bring that thing home and get ready. And they elected to do it at the bar. And you can bet when I told the bar, they were very happy with it. I think we should go to the bar that night. Yeah, It'll be during the day, 9 a.m. I think we should go to the bar during the day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the other thing we should mention, you you know, you talked about you collected games back then. You have a collection of games now, right? I have a collection of games now, but um, I I think I only had had one game um, back when we were filming and doing all that, 2003, 2004. I had had one cocktail table game, and and that's what did it in, you know... Having that one game, I had it for like a year and a half before I even touched another game, and here it is uh, six years later, and I have 30. They multiply, I find. 
Man, I, I'm, I'm suffering from that myself. Yeah, I know. I feel your pain. So, Chris, you want to tell our listeners the special prizes that are waiting for them? So what we have here is a very lovely-looking postcard advertisement of the film, I Score, which we'll have sh- uh, signed. And we're going to give those out to how many listeners, Dave? Three. Three <laughs> listeners. So they're going to be signed by William. If you guys want, go to the forum, sign up, send an email to... Who should this high score at high score at twitchasylum.com. That'll put you in the drawing, and we'll pick out the top four, and we will send out three. an autograph. Three. three, three. That's what I said. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the top three will get a signed, autographed postcard sent to them from William. Can I? Can I ask? What was the name of the email again? Say that again. Uh, it was high score at twitchasylum.com. At Twitch Asylum? That's our website. That's very creative. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Yeah. Good job, Chris. That was my name. <laughs> I made that Didn't up. Didn't take my suggestion. <laughs> I wasn't around when the yeah. suggestions were. Fuffing Asylum, I think is what you have. <laughs> that just didn't work, Dave. I'm sorry. So we really want to thank William for stopping by and talking about the movie. Like we say, it's an amazing movie, and I really hope that a lot of our listeners can, can go ahead and check to it see out. It. Yeah. So thanks a lot for coming by. Man, yeah, no problem. What are you kicking me out now? No, no, you can you can hang out. We'll play some games. I'll beat you at Donkey Kong. You know. <laughs> oh man, good thing you don't have a missile command in here. Yeah, well, too bad. We'd be here all night though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seventy hours later. Yeah, exactly. Did you see him on the way out? I did. did. All right, cool. Well, at least you guys saw each other. All right, well, even though Woody missed the interview, uh, you guys got to catch it. So Thanks, William. It's really cool. And hopefully you guys can see it. Um, Like you said, check out the website, and they should have updates when you can catch it. Maybe, yeah, I don't know how they're going to have it distributed, maybe DVD or something. All right. uh, Send in your uh, emails to that web address. It's a high score at twitchasylum.com, and you could get an autographed uh, postcard from William. Sent to you in the mail. USPS (laughs) USPS <laughs> services. All right. So again, uh, thanks for uh, listening to the podcast. We're sorry about the huge delay. Um, we'll try to get the next podcast out as soon as we can. I'm not going to promise anything this time. Hopefully, we'll cut it in half to four months. <laughs> no, it's Less definitely definitely going to be out sooner than that. So uh, yeah, and uh, if you guys would please join the forums now that we have no spam and you can get on right away. We'd really like to talk to you guys and discuss the uh, what's going on in the world of video games. All right, we'll see you next time. For now.